Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Nuffle podcast, where we're going to do another race review in this weird lockdown time. And I've got a very, very special guest who's come on the podcast, especially to talk about the Simeons. Hello, Chance from Three Die Block. Hey, Thomas, thanks for having me. No dramas at all. Thank you for coming on. It's on, on our little podcast. One of the one of the podcasting gurus, I'd say. I mean, how long's your podcast been going? Three Dive Block. It's over a decade, uh, now, isn't it? Since two thousand eight. Yeah. yeah. So like twelve years. I mean, and you've still got stuff to talk about. I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a surprisingly deep game. It's a great community. Um, and let's be honest, we've probably covered the same topic a few times. It happens. We're we're pretty we're pretty old. Um, it's just again, great game, great community. Yeah. Well, I'm a long-time listener to your podcast, and I've noticed that uh, we're going to be really ambitious here, Charles, because I've noticed that you tend to do races like a 1.0, a 2.0, a 3.0, with <laughs> different aspects of the team. We are going to do Simeon's 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 one go. We're just going to fucking crack through it all. How do you feel about that? I love it. The definitive Simeon podcast. I'm, I'm all in. Let's do it. <laughs> and, and actually, we were talking earlier. I think it's probably good that Drew's not come on, because I listened to your last podcast, um, the most recent Simeon 3.01, and Drew was extremely uh, disparaging about the, the apes. He kept calling them monkeys, he kept talking about tails, mm-hmm. and, and I just, I, it's quite offensive to the Simeon people. I, I, I agree. That's the, that's, the, uh, that's the dynamic of our show. We're a little bit antagonistic, it keeps things interesting. Yeah, he's all about that apes versus monkeys thing. He, he, he knows it gets to me, so he pushes the buttons. But that makes him a great co-host. But it is also good to be able to talk about monkeying around and like using all the, that's the fun thing about Blood Bowl, isn't it? Using all those little things and bringing these teams in. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been fighting tooth and nail to get the Simeon into my local league for ages. And we're quite, we tend to um, follow the NAF process anyway. We've got quite a new league. Uh, so we like mm-hmm. looking at what the NAF teams are and all that kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, they're so cool, the Simeon. Who, who doesn't want to have King Kong playing on the Blood Bowl field? And that's, that's what they are to me. It's just a really, really cool dynamic. Um, but yeah, this, talk to me about the, the Simeon creation, because they went through a couple of uh, iterations, didn't they? I was listening to, to an old podcast with the New Zealand guys, which were the guys you were involved with, weren't they? Where, mm-hmm. you know, like, for example, gorillas used to have, all four of them used to have wild animals, including the big guy. I mean, how crazy is that? So, so they had a bit of, the, the, you know, talk to me from the beginning, how that sort of came about and went through those iterations. Yeah, so I, it was, it actually had sort of a parallel evolution. Uh, so there were two things happening at once. Here in the States, um, uh, a friend of mine, Brian, from the old uh, Zlurpcast podcast, he and I had been talking about uh, an an ape team. We both enjoy apes and monkeys and thought it would be a fun team to do. And we began doing some designs and then talking with Tom Anders at Impact about making miniatures. So we were approaching it from make the team physical first and then, you know, make a roster and bring it into the game, where down in New Zealand, Steve-O, um, and I believe he's from New Zealand. I, Steve, if you're listening to this, I apologize if I have that wrong. We haven't talked in a while. Um, <laughs> but he had been working on a roster for a series of kind of eight men, and we sort of traveled in the same circles, communicated, and he came up with this roster that's about 90% of the one that you know today. Um, so his roster, our miniatures, did the designs. You know, we we crowdfunded the miniatures themselves, and that kind of that's kind of how it went, how it got going. And yeah, he had the gorillas with all wild animal. And we tested that here in the league for a couple of seasons. And it was awful. It was, <laughs> it was as bad as it was as bad as you would think. Now at that time, they did have general and strength access. Yeah. And no, I remember so they that. were, they had that, you know, better access, worse wild animal. And it just, it wasn't even close. It was horrible. So a local coach, uh, Jeff Steggy, friend of mine, come up with the idea of taking the wild animal off, 
And then we worried, well, they're just a worse black orc now. You know, general strength, so many teams have a four strength player up front, general strength, the Saurus, the Chaos Warrior, the Nurgle Warrior, on and on. So he flipped around and said, let's go really crazy. Let's go agility strength. Their, their goal is that they have, they have natural abilities, they have natural power, but not a lot of training, not a lot of skill. And block to me is a very, uh, very practiced skill that a character might have. So then we tried the no wild animal add strength version and it took off from there. Um, and then after that, we had all the data and I worked with Krister on Fumble with that first dice project. And as a way to kind of, you know, as a, as a I, really, Krister was amazing. As a thank you from Krister for that dice project, he allowed us to put it on Fumble as a league team to also collate thousands of games of data and make sure the roster was tweaked correctly. And uh, that's the Simeon that we know and love today. Yeah, and I love that because actually that's the funny thing. Like, and we'll go in a little bit more. When we talk in the league part about the Simeon, we'll mm-hmm. talk about the leagues and how they, how they get mm-hmm. used in that. But, um, but hilariously, just as a side note, um, you know, my, my league's been pushing back for so long against me using them. And I've been like trolling them and trying to get them in. And I've probably done more damage than good, actually. In doing that. <laughs> that's another story. Um, but yeah, um, and in this lockdown time, we've, we've moved our league online. We've gone into Fumble. So Simeon are allowed in the Fumble league. So uh, and I immediately said, I'm going to use the Simeon. <laughs> yeah, they were like, well, we can't really stop you. The coding's there. So, you know, that, <laughs> so I did give them a go. And we'll talk, we'll talk a bit more about that in the league situation. But yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the fluff as well, because I've heard, listen to a couple of your podcasts, you did a little bit of fan stuff, didn't you, to get some of the fluff mm-hmm. built and, and got some of the 3 block fans to talk about it and the Turtle Isles and like, and like mm-hmm. the fact that a sworn enemy of the Lism and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I wish I was a little further along for this. Yeah, we have had a lot of great fan submissions. We had a, a fan win a contest some years ago now, I regret to say, that he created an entire page that was formatted just like um, the old CRP. Uh, the, the rule book, the, the ice pelt rule book, the mythical now ice pelt rule book that went around. Um, he has created a simian uh, page that, you know, plugs right into that book with, like you said, the map of the Turtle Isles and the famous teams and their interactions with Amazons and with lizard men as they come from that, that part of the world. Uh, yeah, people have just been tremendously terrific. Um, Newt Rockney uh, on Fumble did a bunch of artwork for them so that when you play the team, you have all the, all the players represented. Uh, people have really been very supportive the community the worldwide community has been supportive of them and contributed bits and pieces here and there my next goal um is ideally to collate all of this and uh, i'm mentioning a lot of people here because it is a community project um plasmoid who did the bretonians and he's done a tremendous amount of work for the blood bowl community um i was i was very fortunate to meet him at the world cup last year and he had made a fan made basically a spike for the bretonians called la pick yeah I've seen it was it. terrific and yeah. so Drew and I immediately were thinking, okay, that's what we're doing for the Simeon. We've got to do a Simeon spike, you know, maybe called the banana or something, some silly name, um, and collate all of this, this fluff information for people. But, yeah, it's been great. I mean, our goal is to make it the most, you know, most official, unofficial Blood Bowl team in the world. Uh, yeah, from the jungles of the Turtle Isle and uh, the Lizardman interaction, the Amazon interaction, uh, it's been terrific. It's been just a, a whole lot of fun. And, you know, that delving into the fluff side as well as the rules side, um, all of that at once. Well, that's super awesome. I'd love to see those magazines. And actually, over here in the league here, we, we do like really cool magazines. Maybe we'll talk a bit more about that off air because, you know, I might, I might be able to help contribute. We'll see. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, 
I, I love the Simeon Fluff and stuff, and uh, I think it's just super cool. And the whole sworn enemy of the Lizardmen, and the fact that we'll talk about it later about how they're really shit against the Lizardmen. So oh, they are. They're terrible. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> the way the rules are worked out, like, oh, but they just can't compete at all. Um, but That's also, their worst matchups. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but let's also talk quickly about the miniatures. I mean, so Impact Miniatures do an eight team, don't they? And you, you work, you work with Impact Miniatures to get that team done. Is that right? Or yes, yeah. Tom and I are friends. Uh, he sponsored the podcast for a lot of years uh, and we just we put a kickstarter together i mean he basically ran the business side of it and i did all of the the advertising and the videos and the, the pushing of that and we had a nice metal we made all our goals community again stepped up uh, we had a nice metal team cast that was one of the kind of the last years that you know teams were doing a lot of metal before kind of resin took over and that sort of thing so i, love, I actually nice... really love metal miniatures i think that for, for blood bowl because there's so few of them they have that nice weighty feel to them and like when you move yes i love metal miniatures you know absolutely metal's the way to go i mean all my teams are all classic like second third fourth fifth ed metal miniatures and i try very hard to keep using those now that i don't like the new miniatures games workshop is doing some great sculpting and the i've kind of grown to like the larger size but yeah metal is metal's where it's at so the original apes came out in metal they had interchangeable arms so people late in the process really wanted them to have shoulder pads. We had kind of a, I wouldn't say a, a row, you know, in, in the community, but a lot of people came down on, well, if they don't have any armor, they can't really play Blood Bowl. And I was like, well, they're just big and ferocious enough. So we did have some shoulder pads made. That was kind of a late addition. Um, but you see a lot of people when they do have those miniatures now, they don't use the shoulder pads. They're just big apes. They're just naked apes. Well, they do have pants. Some of them have, <laughs> they had to have pants, some of them. Um, so that was kind of a little disagreement we had, but yeah, it went really well. The Kickstarter fired off and we had that first wave of metal made uh, and it went well enough that he did do a second run in uh, the resin. He, did, he actually sells them now in the, uh, the resin once he got that process worked out. So you can still get them, but those metal ones now are, I don't know, part of Blood Bowl history, I guess. Oh, nice. Well, um, for the listeners, I'll post a little link to the Impact Miniature site. I'll go and check it out after this and post a link. Okay. So guys, guys and girls can go and look at that. Um, yeah, me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm a big conversion hobby kind of dude. So mm -hmm. I've actually converted a full team. Um, actually, mainly, so I, I experimented with a few different miniatures, and mainly from orcs, because that makes sense, right? You know, the orcs. <laughs> sure. Easy. But actually, the Blood Bowl orc faces are, are, are kind of different to the, the traditional Warhammer Fantasy faces. They're a bit more brutish and like they, they've just got those bigger mouths, I think. Um, so I got a load of, um, like, well, now Age of Sigma, but I always play one before Warhammer Fantasy. But the kind of, I got a load of Age of Sigma orc heads and basically stuck them on the, uh, on the orc <laughs> Blood Bowl dudes. And then just did a load of fur and stuff around them. They look, they look amazing. I'll send some pictures to you later on. They actually look yeah, for sure. really cool. They look like apes. And I've done an, nice. a throw orangutan and I've done like a, some gorillas. And then um, the chimps and um, bonobos I converted from, like, I use ghoul heads. So if you've seen the plastic uh, fancy ghoul heads, they're perfect with a bit of fur and stuff on them. And actually, I literally just use ghoul miniatures as the bonobos. They, they fit perfectly. Um, I'll, show you, I'll send you some pictures later on. But it's just, there are loads of options out there. And that's what I love about this kind of team is it just gives you this free reign to go and do some crazy conversions, like do some hobby. Which, which is I'd love to see them. Kit, kit bashing is terrific. Absolutely. And I'll definitely send those over to you. But actually also, um, I was talking to the both down guys about about the team, and we had a little bit of back and forth on Twitter. And we haven't done a collab yet, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna set it up. We'll get it going. Um, yeah, so, I was first. <laughs> yeah, you were first. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I'm sure you agree. They're such great guys. When I, oh, they I, are. I literally talked to them about the Simeon, and uh, they just sent me. Um, they've got I don't know where they're from actually, but they sent me some like apothecary and coach style like eight miniatures that they just had. Mm -hmm. I literally just put them in the post and sent them over, and I was like, these guys are so cool. <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna them up. they're going to be involved in my team and we 
being, um, and we'll talk a bit more about the league later, but our, our league is known for our, for our beers and getting, getting stuck into the fun side of, uh, of playing as well. So we sent them back some like, of our league-branded pint glasses and stuff and, and dice and shit like that. So we've had a little bit back and forth. And we'll have to send you some pint glasses as well, for sure. Uh, <laughs> they are really cool. They've got, our, they've got our league logo on and all that kind of stuff. We're going to do tankards next year, actually. Like, we're going to take a Oh, my gosh. And go for branded <laughs> tankards. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll set that up. Um, right, Chance, we're, we're going to move on to the roster soon. Um, and okay. you this is the bit where um, I, I always, I kind of use it as a chance to interview my guests a little bit as well and just get their feel for the game. And usually, if we can, when we do a race review, um, we, we like to use the, the Games Workshop Spike magazine as a start point because, um, me personally, I played Blood Bowl, I had a bit of a gap, but I played Blood Bowl since I was like seven, eight years old, like over 20 years, and I had a big gap of combat to the game. And actually, <laughs> What got me back into the game was 2016 when all these Spider-Mans came out, Games Workshop picked the game back up, it started to become really vibrant, really exciting. I was wondering, and, and I was going to say, usually we use the Spider-Mans, we will use the Fumble roster for this, because that's, there is sure. usually, it's mm-hmm. like, like for the <laughs> What's your take from Over the Pond and such a long-time player of, of the new game in 2016 and the way Games Workshop is taking it and all that sort of thing, what do you feel about it? About, I, I'm sorry, what, the, what, was the, what was the question in there? So I um, up a little bit. No, I was going to say, how do you feel about the way Games Workshop is taking the game now from 2016, ah. being an old-time player and the new Spike Mags and how that's all going? So <laughs> anyone who's listened to my show at all knows, I, I, I think I have a reputation for being kind of critical of Games Workshop. And again, I think that's a lot of us fall prey to that. You know, we love the game so much. We want, to, we want it to go in a way that we want. And when they go a different direction, we maybe are a little disappointed. Um, overall, I mean, I'd give them maybe a, a, a B, B plus. Um, I have enjoyed the spikes a lot. I've enjoyed the, the new miniatures, uh, despite the fact I don't use them. I think they're really well done. I like when a team comes out, they have a team, dice, a pitch, a spike. There's all this, you know, swag around the team release, which I really like. Um, so they, they've done a good job there. They initially came out and said, look, you know, we're not going to mess with the rules. The, the, I'm a big fan of the Ice Pelt, you know, rule book, the old rules committee and that whole legend where they got together, they, they made what I feel is the most comprehensive and play-tested and, you know, thorough rule set that the game had ever seen. And they were promptly sort of just dismissed by Games Workshop. There's that legendary move where, you know, that kind of happened. Um, and that rule book, you know, lived on. People, you know, printed it themselves. They funded leagues and, and tournaments and all these, you know, fumble, of course. And, you know, the game was alive for a decade purely based on, you know, fan improve, you know, fan support. Um, I'm thinking of other, you know, miniature games and card games, and I can hardly think of another game that that would work. I mean, sometimes I wonder if Magic, if that would happen with Magic, if they just stopped that game and stopped supporting it, would people play it for a year? I think they would in some, some ways, but maybe that's the only game I can think of that would match the fan and community support of Blood Bowl. So when Games Workshop came back, you know, one of the big promises they made was we're not changing the rules. You know, you guys have done a, a great job with the game. You've been stewards of the game. We basically just want to make cool stuff and sell you stuff, which makes sense. They're a business, absolutely. So overall, I, I've really enjoyed it. I've liked a lot of the teams they've done. Uh, I love the almanacs. I love the collection of the, you know, all the spikes and the rule sets and the teams in one place because they do fall prey to that, you know, vintage Games Workshop style of here's a rule in this magazine over here and here's a rule that comes out online over here and here's a, I just... This, this scavenger hunt rules, you know, uh, collection kind of bothers me. Uh, but overall, I've really enjoyed it. I like the pitches. I've liked a lot of the products they've made. I didn't like a few of the team tweaks they've made. They finally started to kind of put dip their toe in the water. I think it's kind of a, you know, 
they're seeing how the community will respond if they make a change. You know, what if we add a player to the Lizardmen? What if we add a player or two to the uh, Halflings? And I really worry the rumblings of the new release this, this year, maybe delayed by the coronavirus pandemic, uh, might be them finally kind of tightening that grip and saying, okay, here's a few new rules. So that worries me a little bit. I worry that their desire to meddle and to make it new and to put their stamp on it might sort of lessen, lessen what, it, what has built up and brewed and, and been nearly perfected over all these decades. So I'm a little worried about that. But overall, you know, I give them props for giving us a lot of new, cool, fun things to play. And like you said, a lot of people got back in at 2016. And it brought a lot of people back to the game, which is the number one thing. You know, more people playing a great game for sure. So, again, I give them about a B plus. I'm usually kind of hard on them when they don't do what I want. The <laughs> Goblin roster and the miniatures, we can go on and on about that. But uh, overall, overall, been, been, been fairly happy and trying to stay positive. Because, again, like almost everyone else, I just love the game so much. I get really passionate about it. Yeah, and that's and and you. I, I listened to your podcast, your London's Calling podcast, because obviously I was like, ah, <laughs> ah, the guys came over to England. What did they think about England? So I did listen through to that, and you managed to interview Jervis about it, didn't you? When you were mm -hmm. when you were yes. over in London, and like first and podcast. Jervis, and I've I've met Jervis myself. He's such he's he's such a fucking cool guy. He's like one of the yes, coolest guys I'll ever meet. He's just so calm, <laughs> and, like, and I think that's why Games Watcher don't like him anymore because he just says whatever he thinks about. He's just an old school gamer. He just yes, just absolutely. Talk. If you ask him questions, there's no. There's no corp corporate about him. He'll just be like, yeah, no, I'll just, just say some stuff. Um, but yeah, um, and Jervis has always said that, that Blood Bowl is the best game system that Games Workshop have ever done, like in terms of the balance and how, and you know, you, it works for competitiveness. And actually, what I love about Blood Bowl, and I'm sure you agree, Chance, is that a lot of the Games Workshop games now, like try and, try and balance it competitively, whereas in Blood Bowl, it's unashamedly unbalanced. It's like, if you want to win the game, you take your Wood Elves, you take your Skaven, you take your, you know, your high-powered uh, high races. And, and if right. you're fucking, you want to have fun, you can take your Halflings. You can take, <laughs> and, that, and that's what we love about the game. It's unashamedly unbalanced, which I think is so much fun. I, I totally agree. I cannot agree with you more. I've introduced it to new people. <clears throat> and one of the first things they say is, why are these teams so, so wickedly uneven here? Why would this team play this team? I was like, that's the point. You, you start with the quote-unquote the quote, the quote easy teams. And then later on, you're going to want to challenge. The game continually refreshes itself without having to add new rules, add new this, add new that. Um, it provides sort of a lifetime of enjoyment for a, for a coach like us because you have the, the easy teams to start, the, the tricky teams to play, the very challenging teams to play. It's, it's an amazingly deep game. And, again, that speaks to the commitment of Jervis and the rules committee and all of the, the rules committees and the, uh, the tournament organizers and the league organizers around the world that have allowed it to brew and to develop and to deepen over the years. One really funny thing about Jervis, just to say, yeah, meeting him was terrific. He was absolutely agreeable and kind, and, and it was a wonderful experience. Without a mustache, he looked just like my dad. That really surprised <laughs> me. For some reason, he looked like my – he was my British dad. It was crazy. He looks just like my dad, except for my dad has a big mustache. So that was a little – I think I was a little nervous, and he sensed that when we began because um, I had him record a drop spot, and I hadn't told him what to say. And instead of, you know, other people might have been like, look, my, my time is valuable. You know, what are you doing, amateur? He was super kind. And he just looked at me, kind of smiled, and he said, what do you want me to say? You know, he just, he was very kind with me and nice when I kind of stumbled. So, yeah, just a real quick shout out to Jervis. He was absolutely terrific. And it's really, you know, they say you should never meet your heroes. And it's really nice when you do. It works out really well. Because I love his game. And he was ter terrifically gracious. And that was a great experience, yeah. And just to let you know, I have loved, I loved Britain the entire time I went. It was, a, it was an absolute joy of a trip. So. Perfect. Well, um, and we'll talk more later, Chance, in the league bit. But Blood Bowl, <laughs> is, 
Blood Bowl is definitely going from strength to strength here. I mean, just just as an aside, we're hitting well over 100 people want to play Blood Bowl in our league next year. It's, it's really oh my cool. gosh, like, so Blood jealous! Just <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But we'll we'll That's talk amazing. about that. We will talk about that in depth, and it's, it's, right. it's so much fun. It's really really cool. Um, all right, listeners, we'll uh, take um, we're going to take a quick break here, um, and then we're going to come back and uh, dive straight into the Simeon roster and get really stuck into that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Knuffle podcast where Chance and I are getting really stuck into the Simeons, the apes. It's so much fun, isn't it? One of the teams is close to my heart. I know it's close to yours. Guilty as charged. Yeah, it's my, my, my pet favorite for many years now. <laughs> Let's, without further ado, we're going to dive straight into the Simeon roster. And like I was saying to Chance off air, I've just written on my notes here, the roster does itself because I think it's that cool. It's just so much fun. Um, things that are made by fans for fans tend to be fun, don't they? That's the way Yeah, exactly goes. right. And our, our primary goal is to balance it. And I think we've achieved that. I, I, I would fully agree. Um, let's talk about, we'll talk about tactics in a bit as well. And that's probably where we'll talk about the balance and how they interact. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, first of all, and this is actually a question I've got for you. We'll talk about them in a sec, but the Bonobos, the Line Apes. Um, and the, question, the question I'm going to have for you in a sec is 0 to 12, which I find quite interesting. But they're, zero to, they're a 0 to 12 positional, um, not a 0 to 16. They're movement 6, strength 3, agility 3, armor value 7. So like a slightly less tough human lineman, basically. But they have got those extra arms, and that's a bit of a theme, isn't it, in the Simeon roster? Yes. Um, only general access for 50k. But yeah, 0 to 12 chance. What, what was the thinking behind that rather than 0 to 16? I'll be honest. I think we got a little cute there. We had been looking at uh, several of the other rosters, and I hope I'm not wrong about this. I want to say we looked at it more like um, maybe the Hobgoblins or some other rosters or the Zombies, I believe. There were a couple of teams that had the 0-12 instead of the 0-16, and some of them kind of jumped out at us as like, why is this? Like, why not just put 16? What does it matter? Um, I can't imagine every, anyone ever wanting to play 16 Bonobos, so we thought 12 was totally fine. Uh, I would love to be able to give you some in-depth team design uh, reason for, for that, that we you know, really thought that was the, the last little cherry on top of the Sunday that the team needed. I'm pretty sure we were just getting cute. I'm pretty <laughs> sure we just thought it would be funny. <laughs> it's interesting because like, it, it, it very occasionally comes up. Like, um, and we're gonna, I want to ask you some questions about the Brath later on because I find that it sounds like <laughs> such an interesting event. But in like, the Brath, for example, you've got like a rule where, um, where you can only bite someone who's a 0 to 16. So you can't bite a bonobo. Take a bonobo, you can't bite him. So it does, it does occasionally come up. Um, but you're right. It's probably just a, it's, there's no real thinking. It's, 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 it's a save the apes. It's a save the apes thing. We just didn't want them preyed on by the, by the nasty vampires. Yeah, I mean, um, but the bonobos, I mean, they are, they are a quintessential lineman, aren't they? they, um, they they're not going to provide loads and loads to your team. Those are positionals they're going to go into. They've got four positionals, which is a, quite a lot for, for mm-hmm. some teams. Um, but yeah, they've got that armor seven, which makes them not super tough on the line, but they've got that extra arms, which allows them to move the ball like hells. But I've played with these guys. They can't dodge like hells, can they? They can move the ball, but they can't dodge. No, we, we, we love that interplay. The, you know, Sibo had the idea that extra arms was going to be the team's you know, racial trait. A long time ago, global teams had that where, you know, dwarves all had thick skull, for example, or, uh, 
you know, uh, Norris all have block. And I, and I do argue that the, the Dwarven, the Dwarven uh, racial trait is fixed goal. It's not block. Block is a learned skill. But for the apes, it was extra arms to imply that they're very agile in handling the ball because in real life, apes are extremely agile. But we didn't want them leaving contact as easy as an elf, per se. So they kind of suffer there, which, again, is part of the balance. And when we talk about the skill choices in a, in a way coming up, I'll talk about how very important the Bonobo is in a very particular way we'll get to that but yeah it's just the, the the bread and butter of the team and i do appreciate you using the term bonobo we had a hard time for a while getting people to accept that we had a lot of people ask us like what is that did you make that up i thought these were all real apes like, no we we did not make it up it's it's one of the great apes they just wanted to know why they weren't just chimps just chimp linemen and we had to explain the difference and um and plus you know why would you want a team where a positional and alignment is the same player just differently skilled so it, it worked out in the end so i appreciate that we're, we're setting the, the, the record straight right now. The linemen are bonobos. You feel, I fully agree. And you've got a fanboy here, so I will push that bonobo thing <laughs> as hard as I can. All right, excellent. But no, but that agility thing, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, listeners. Um, I've spent the last week building up the simulator. I've been so excited. It's just, it, I, I just think the simulator is so cool. And I've watched <laughs> um, the new, I've watched all four of the new Planet, I've watched the old ones way back, but I've watched all four of the new Planet of the X films, like the one back in 2001, and then the mm -hmm. recent trilogy, and about this like agility thing where they can pick stuff up with their hands, and that's, that's prevalent in the kind of structure of Planet of the Apes in the films. People get that. It's like, yeah, they can, they've got agility, they've got power, they've got, they've got like classic, and that's a, that's a feature of the roster. They've got like classic mm -hmm. handsy skills, like your extra arms will go into wrestle and grab and things like that. And people can really visualize that. I think it makes sense to people when you explain it. It's, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next positional. These are the, well, they're called orangutans. Everyone calls them throw orangutans, right? <laughs> throw orangutans. Um, yeah, that, that, oh, sorry. That came up in a, uh, in a fumble thread, actually, when the team debuted and people were talking about, you know, what is this new team and strategies and how to play? And, you know, somebody mentioned that they needed more like punny Blood Bowl names and the throw orangutan just came up in a thread. I may have done it. I may not. I, that, again, that's a community evolved idea. So yeah, they're, they're the throw orangutan. That's just what they are now. I think they are. I, that, that's what I call it. But yeah, these guys, <laughs> they're good throwers. And that's, that's, I think it's interesting with the team and the way they're built. They're definitely not like ball carriers. They're more throwers because they are move five, strength three, agility three, armor eight. And armor eight is actually quite crucial here. Like getting these guys in with the extra armor can be really important to your team. Uh, they've got extra arms, as you'd expect. And then they've got strong <laughs> arm, which is a super cool passing skill that you don't usually get. But again, it's this like, muscly kind of moving stuff around kind of skill but not like a they're not trained with it they've just got strong arms and they have got exactly right general and passing access as you spoke from for so many k's so they're a reasonably priced thrower and they've been they can become really good throwers can't they with that innate strong arm yeah if you're patient with them they are slow and you hit it on the head we really wanted to capture you know a creature that wasn't you know born to play blood bowl but once began playing could realize they could throw a ball you know 80 yards down the field not with a lot of accuracy just yet. You know, they weren't really good at that, but they could power it down. And it gives you the doubles that most throwers will long for. They'll take the pass and the accurate and all that and hope for the doubles to grab the, uh, the strong arm. Well, they start with it. So if you, if you go along with it, you know, they'll reward you. And they have a special kind of role too. I mean, again, not to jump the gun, but they, people have started to – it's amazing to me where people have taken the team since we designed it you know, you, you let something out into the wild, right? And all these people kind of take possession of it and do different things with it. People have been doing something with the, the throw orangutans that I've found very interesting that we can talk about more when we do skill development and whatnot. So just an example of it, quote unquote, evolving, you know, quite beyond what we had expected. So yeah, the throw orangutan, it's slow, but it rewards your, your patience and loyalty if you get there with him. 
yeah, we'll, we'll definitely come back and talk about that in league development. Um, but it's mm-hmm. interesting, and I guess with the, with, the, with the balance factor, that's why they haven't got pass and they haven't got shorthands and they haven't got skills you might expect on throwers and runners right. because, because getting that strong arm is, is really, really good. I and mean, you can build them. They can become so powerful. They're just not, they're not that good off the bat. They pick up on a two, but then they can't really do much with the ball. They can throw it a long way, but they can't, like, they can't actually do anything skillful until they start to get skills, right? So. It was way too good in playtesting for, for an entire team of extra arms players including several of them with three edge and extra arms. And we're going to get to the chimps with a move seven, having even accurate or pass. We play tested both. It was just too good. They okay. threw like some of the L teams immediately because it was like you said, pick up on a two throw for a two or a three, or maybe a reroll, you know, with one of those skills and then catch on a two and you're gone. It, it was just too good. So we had to, we had to back him up a little bit. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. And that's, and you've, you've, you've nicely segued. I mean, this is, this podcast is so professional. We've got a professional <laughs> We're segueing <laughs> into the chimps. And these guys, these guys are like, you know, a lot of teams have got that God player. Um, chimpanzees, they're supposed to be that God player. And, and I can see they're, they're zero to two. And I can look at the team. If they were zero to four, this would be more like a tier one team because they they're that good. They are a really good player. They're, um, they're movement seven, strength three, agility three, armor seven, which doesn't sound amazing off the bat, but they have got that movement skill. And we talked on a few podcasts about how important movement is in Blood Bowl. And that movement seven is, is phenomenal. Then they've got extra arms. So they're, like you said, picking up on two, catching on a two, and inbuilt wrestle for that amazing sacking ability. And they've got general and agility access so they can get dog, all those good skills. for 80K. So I, I think across the board, they're a really strong player. And if you could get four of them, it would break the team. And I'm sure you play tested that. And <laughs> yes, that yes, we did. And I even fought for it for a while because I wanted it to be a good. And luckily, my my uh, my comrades put me put me back down a little bit to not make it a vanity project. And yeah, two is the right number. The chimps were the were our play on how so many teams have uh, blitzers, human blitzer, orc blitzer, elf blitzer, you know, and they all kind of do that running and hitting kind of thing. And we wanted them to be more like uh, to use an American football. Uh, uh, name a safety more of a safety or a sweeper where they do have that rangey kind of feel but they're much more defensive they want to ball hunt they want to do that kind of thing and not the the power you know hit a guy knock them out and injure them but more like get that ball out you know drag guy down get the ball out run away with it we thought wrestle was just kind of funnier too the idea of a chimp running up and grabbing you and just you just go to the ground and um, we like that a lot the sculpt too if i can segue just a bit the sculpt is probably my favorite on the team uh, of the original um the original impact version of him running on his knuckles, the, the sculptor that we hired to do the job, he claimed that it was his favorite too, that he hadn't done a miniature like that where he's up on his knuckles. And so we really enjoyed that. Um, chimps don't often run like that, but they do. There is some biological background for that uh, when they run. People kind of worried about that. Um, just love the miniature. And to me, when I play that and play that, that positional, it really comes through as easily the star of the team, like you said. Their, their skill progression is varied. Um, when you lose a chimp or two, your, your life becomes much worse. Uh, trying to win games uh, they they are terrific they are the stars for sure and i've seen that miniature listeners it's it's a really really cool miniature i agree and and actually people who watch go, guys go and watch planet of the apes get stuck in the city <laughs> it's a lot of fun and they do do that they're running forward on their knuckles mm-hmm. and like you said yeah. if you're looking at it biologically maybe not as accurate as you'd think but it's in the, in the ballpark of people's thinking isn't it that's what you want to build so. yes exactly that's what people sort of envisage but yeah like mm-hmm. you said the, the chimps they they are super, super good, <laughs> the movement seven and the ball sacker. And it's interesting, uh, just to segue again before we move into the gorillas, but um, we, it's my podcast. We can talk about what the fuck we want. Exactly. Go off and anything we want. But a really fascinating thing with Blood Bowl in general is that it was written by a bunch of British nerds back in the 80s who had like 
seen American football on TV. They knew what American football was, right? But yeah. they had no idea what the rules were. And I watch American <laughs> football. And I, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, so I, I, I do watch American football. I so am I. Oh, wow. <laughs> High I'm, fives all around. <laughs> I'm from about an hour and a half from there. I grew up about an hour and a half from Kansas City. So well, I'm sure you enjoyed the Super Bowl then. <laughs> it, was a long, it was a long time coming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that on another, another episode, baby. We'll see. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, Kansas City Chiefs, good team. Support them, listeners. No. Uh, but yeah, but so it was written by a bunch of British nerds who had no idea what the American football was. They were just like, we've seen these, uh, these names like safeties and linemen and, and things like that. And they kind of just... They applied it to a game, and that's why they've got 11 players like soccer. And it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting when I explain the game to my mates, I'm like, it's actually, when you play the ball game, it's more like what you call soccer, what we call football, because mm-hmm. it's usually only 2-1 or 3-1. It's like, it's like a football-type game, but they kind of run around with the ball, and, and it's really not like American football at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> because they didn't know no, the it ball. No, it is not. But anyway, that, that, I, it's just a side comment. Oh, I know. I love I love that whole origin of the game. I tell people here <clears throat> we played at the shop a lot, obviously, and I bring it up a lot, and people ask about it. And I say it's a parody of American football in the 1980s, developed by British game designers who didn't know what it was. <laughs> and a, a little extra joke I'll tell you here: <clears throat> you may not know this. American football in the 80s had a huge uh, drug scandal. Um, a lot of players were using cocaine, and it was it was crazy because they were getting all pumped up on the field, and people were getting hurt. So the extra joke, maybe a little a dark comedy kind of joke, is that this is like less brutal and less monstrous than the actual 80s American football because they were all just, you know, going insane with the drugs. So, pardon me, excuse me. So, yeah, I tell people that this is, you know, instead of it being, you know, drug-addled humans, we just replaced them with orcs and dwarves and minotaurs and that kind of thing. And it becomes actually a pretty accurate representation of American football <laughs> in the 80s. So this is kind of a funny little segue there. No, I love that. It's 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 true. It's also fun. People always go, "Oh, you can't kill people in sport," but but actually, oh, it's when you go back in the day, that's what was happening. I mean, it was brutal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I hate yeah, to say it, it, camps, but I was born in the eighties, so you know. <laughs> I was born in the seventies, grew up in the eighties, so I'm a big fan. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, that um, and we're now going to seamlessly segue onto the gorillas. No, we're not. But that, but that's the the next positional listeners, and and these guys I love. I think they're so cool because. Like, like we talked already, they're not, they're not um, Black Orcs, the Bobs, they're not, um, you know, your Chaos Warriors. They, they've got their own unique play style, and, they're, um, and, and it's hard to explain them to people. You can't say, you know, some of these positionals, it's, you're able to say, like we said at the start, um, Bonobos are like a human lineman with like an armor down and extra arms, but the Gorillas are their own positional. They're movement five, they're strength four, they're agility two, and they're armor eight. So, you know, they're much faster than Black Orcs, but they're less tough. You know, they're, they're the same speed as Chaos Warriors, but they're less tough again. But then they've got that extra arms and the grab. And we'll talk in the tactics <laughs> section about grab, because grab is so cool about, you know, passing that player around. I love that, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And then, like we said at the beginning, agility and strength access for 100K. And, and they're appropriately costed, but that agility and strength access, you can do some, some really interesting things with, like, a, a quite a mobile strengthful piece, can't you? I, I totally agree. The <clears> – <throat> pardon me, excuse me. The, uh, the gorillas underwent the most – change and transition during the playtesting period and it wasn't just the uh, the loss of the wild animal um you know the skill access we would give them um the agility the armor a lot of people fought for nine armor they thought a, a four strength player was nearly unusable without nine armor up front and, and i would agree uh that it, it's worse for sure but it had to be balanced in the in the scope of the team uh and in the end this is what we we and i wouldn't say we settled in the end this is what we fought to do and you know, thousands of games on Bumble has, in my opinion, confirmed that this is the, the right balance of a unique player that 
plays like a gorilla, has some drawbacks, um, but really solidifies the team up front. And that adds and strength access, again, our local coach, Jeff, he'll, he'll just be over the moon when he hears this, when I'm giving him so much praise. But that was really the, the, the key moment there. The, the loss of the wild animal, we all came to that conclusion very quickly. That was a group consensus. That was easy. But to switch general strength to edge strength, um, and we played around with general edge for a while and no strength. That didn't seem quite right. The edge strength was really, in my opinion, the, the, the bolt of lightning that really set them apart. And I think it makes their progression very interesting because, you know, dodge, sidestep, guard is all within their wheelhouse. And yet it makes them less efficient blockers, but it makes them very good defenders. Yeah, and unlike a black orc. Unique. Exactly. Very unique. And unlike a black orc or, um, you know, a, a Soros, when you get a double with the, uh, the, the gorillas, you pretty much know exactly where to go. Like that one double is just golden hour and, and it's great. Whereas on those guys, you get a double, you're thinking, well, do I go dodge? Do I go sidestep? Do I, you know, what do I do? So in a way, to me, it streamlines them a bit and actually gives you as a coach a little more, a little more um, confidence there. So, and again, the mass grab has just been absolutely terrific. The mass grab is probably the gorilla's racial trait, even over the extra arms. I mean, in a pinch, they can catch on a three, you know, and, and run with the ball a little bit or pick up for a three. But it's really that mass grab. You can tear apart lines. You can move people around. They know, no structure is safe against that mass grab. And we'll talk about the silverbacks. So you get five grab. Um, which, again, makes their frontline play very different. They're not a bash team by any means. They're very much a control team, and that mass grab lets you do it. Yeah, and, I'm, and I've, got a, I've got a couple of questions to ask. I've got a question to ask about a couple of skills in the set. But, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, um, that's what makes these guys so well balanced in a way because we did a Norse review recently that hasn't come out yet, but it will come out soon. This <laughs> I've been catching up with all the stuff. But, you know, if we sure. the Norse, um, and, and in a way, the Skaven and almost the Lisman, there are some teams out there that are very top tier. That for me, the reason they're top tier and the reason they become unbalanced is because they can get everything that they want from normal skills. So Norse, we were talking about Norse, we were like, they just don't need doubles. Like your orcs can get blocked. They can get, like, you could take dodge, yeah. but you really need it. Same with orcs. It's like, I don't, I don't really need to take doubles. Like that's, that's why they're so high up. And, and I love that the gorillas, yeah, you, you've got some cool ways you can develop them, but then you get the double, you're like, yeah, block. They're smashing there, block is, block made them so much better, but you need to roll that double to get it. And I, I think that's what brings the balance and what makes a great team, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the, the good teams take away the choices, options, and, and that, that is a place in Blood Bowl. You mm -hmm. want to have teams that, that just sort of go down the road and acquire great skills. You don't need to roll exceptionally well, and you need that aspect, but you also need teams that give coaches some, some leeway and some flexibility and yeah. And rewards that, you know, you get double fours on a gorilla for his first skill. You're over the moon. You know, you're, you're, you're thrilled. So yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're that good at bubble, aren't they? They just don't need the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Need it's just not required. Um, but yeah, the, the one question I think I had was, um, was about a uh, thick scot. Like, cause for me, we were talking with my mates about whether the gorillas and, and particularly the silverback, should, should they have thick skull? I mean, and maybe you play test this. I'm kind of thinking you could have taken that armor nine off and given the thick skull. So a little bit more resilient, but did you play test that? How, how did that go? It, it came up. We did bring it up, especially with the silverback you mentioned. Um, we worried it was a little, we worried enough other big guys had it that it didn't make him um, different enough. We worried a little bit about that. We also worried that giving thick skull to all of the gorillas slightly tipped the team past that, you know, 45 to 50% win percentage we were trying to hit. We were really into Tom Anders' um, tiers system at the time. <clears throat> we were, you know, acolytes, you would say. We had gone through all the data he had sent us. He had sent us his original write-up, and we really wanted to hit that sweet spot of being not top tier, but like maybe, you know, tier two, tier three right in there. And unfortunately, having a gorilla leave the pitch once in a while was sort of, sort of played into that. 
because I'll let you on a secret. The chimps are undercosted. The chimps are undercosted by 10, maybe 20K potentially. Yeah, and I was thinking um, maybe the gorillas are like 10K over. If you look at the balance, exactly. maybe they should be 90K and it kind of, it works right. out, but I agree. So in the end, we left it off. Uh, you know, who knows? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe that's something we could have gone. Um, it does make it interesting. Um, you know, third or fourth skill for them. You could you could just give them thick skull and and uh, give it give it a go with them. But you're probably going to go other ways. So yeah, we considered it, but in the end, it didn't quite make the cut. Again, we were really really hyper conscious about making it too good. The the, the phrase um, vanity project came around a lot. We wanted to be very sure that it wasn't yeah. us just saying, oh, we're going to make a team and it's great because. You know, I love fan rosters. I go through, you know, threads on, you know, talk fantasy football and on Fumble, and I love when somebody comes up with, you know, here's a, here's a Martian roster and here's a Necron roster and, I, you know, here's a Zinch roster. And I love them to death. But 99% of them suffer from the same problem, and that's they are way too good. There's just no interest in balance at all. And we fought tooth and nail. Well, again, you know, look at the team's origins, five wild animals. That makes the team almost unplayable because we were that concerned about making it too good. So the thick skull probably fell um, fell to that altar of making it not too good. That's that's totally fair, man, and and I, <laughs> I can see that. I can see that 100%. Um, but then we move on to the silverback, and this guy, I'll, I I don't care what you say, Chance. He should have thick skull. But let's talk about it. <laughs> the king, the silverback, the King Kong. He is that guy beating his chest in the jungle like he's top of the pillar. And, and he is. He, I think he's a really cool player. He's, he's movement five, strength five, agility one. Who cares? Big guy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Armor nine, and that's where you've chucked that armor nine in, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, got loner, as you'd expect. He's got wild animal, which is one of my very favorite big guy skills. I like, and obviously, on a, on a gorilla, wild animal, why not? Yep. Extra arms, he's not going to use it. But he's got it because the team. <laughs> and grab and mighty blow with strength access. And he's 140K, so he's appropriately costed right up at the top mm-hmm. end of those big guy stats. Uh, but yeah. The king. He's good, isn't he? He's cool. Yeah, we, we were thrilled with him. Um, we kept thinking of the old, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's an old American commercial for a luggage company where they had a gorilla throwing the luggage around in a cage and they were testing how strong it was. Uh, it, you, you can YouTube it. Uh, Samsonite maybe or some luggage company. But we kept thinking of that in mind. We kept thinking of this gorilla just not like skilled, but just grabbing something, throwing it on the ground, smashing it. Um, that, was, that was our image. So, yeah, the nine armor made sense. Uh, the grab is terrific. And wild animals, some people were worried that once we took wild animal off the gorillas, then maybe he should downgrade to bonehead or really stupid. And we thought, no, we're going to fight for wild animal. One, this is kind of silly, but the name wild animal is really what the team is. Um, that fit really well. And the ability of him not to lose his tackle zones when he ones out was super important because of all that grab. Because you're grabbing everybody up on the line, you know, positioning them is super important. If he runs out and he can't block, well, okay, that's bad. But he's still going to have his guard. You may have guard on him or something. That was crucial to work with all that mass grab. You couldn't have him just zero out on a turn and lose that position when you fought so hard to do it. Um, so Wild Animal just made sense. Uh, the star player version has Pylon. And uh, I know Piling on has changed a bit on Fumble. and There's a whole discussion there. But uh, the idea about a guy just, you know, a big guy that jumps on somebody and then just falls down on him on person because he can't, you know, he can't focus on anything else. Um, but yeah, the, the silverback is the star of the team. We enjoy him a lot. Uh, Tom Anders actually bought an existing sculpt from a guy to add to the apes later on. That was the one team that was the one miniature that got added later on. He has a really nice, big, well-sculpted silverback that you can add to the team, uh, in metal and, uh, in resin. So that was a late addition, but we thought it, it was worth it. They need a leader. They need the silverback, the, the wise, you know, head of the family, so to speak. And he worked and out. Again, and again, he's, it's that uniqueness that you want to bring to the team because he's the only big guy 
you know, I know they don't come with it, but, it, but the Minos, or the Minotaurs, as you Americans call them, <laughs> we call them Minotaurs, because we're British, <laughs> but, you know, the Minotaurs, um, and, the, uh, and the Radoga as well, they come with the Frenzy, and you can't give them grab, because Frenzy, you know, that's a skill that doesn't mm-hmm. go with it. So he's the only wild animal dude who's got that grab, he's standing in the middle of the pack, he's beating his chest, mm-hmm. he's pulling people apart, and he's doing that, and you can, you can just visualize it, and it makes him unique, which I think is so cool, and that's, that's what you wanted from him, isn't it? He's got to be that unique character. Yeah, and we wanted to avoid frenzy like crazy. We frenzy on big guys. We have a long-standing issue with that. They, <laughs> we feel that it's it screws their value. It's a whole thing. So we knew we didn't want to go there. And of course, they all had the, the gorillas had grab anywhere. It just it wrote itself at that point. You know, we are we are grab not a not a frenzy team. So well, not on the big guys. Dot dot dot. We'll leave that for later. <laughs> yeah, no, and I've listened to your podcast, and we'll talk about that. I think it's a really really interesting the way you talk about it. Um, but. Yeah, and we'll leave it there, Chance, but I, I think the Silverback should have Thick Skull. I think for 140K, he probably could have Thick Skull. and I think That's reasonable. I think it makes sense on the Gorillas, but I think he probably could, just to be that king of the jungle, and, and it wouldn't break it. But, um, and I've had a chat in a couple of podcasts about that, you know, for example, Minotaurs. Minotaurs mm-hmm. have got uh, the <laughs> and the Thick Skull. Uh, Ogres have got Armour 9 and Thick Skull. And we talked about the Yeti on the Norse podcast, about he's the most squishy big guy, because he's got Armour 8, and he hasn't got Thick Skull, and, and how you build that. Right. I think the silverback could be right up there with the ogre for the survivability. But you play as it. I haven't. I'm just <laughs> coming and looking at it and thinking it. And, you know, you get stuck in that, don't you? When you're writing through stuff, oh. Like, oh, you get stuck in the stuff and, and how it comes out. And that's, that's the way. No, you absolutely do it. We talked about it <clears throat> at the beginning of the show. We love the game so much. You, you, get, you get tied onto something that this character should have this. And here is the in-game justification for it because we love it so much. Absolutely. I, I can easily see the fix goal. You know, we may have punished the team a little too much there. <laughs> that's fine. It, it doesn't come up too much, but that's the thing. Right. Chance, let's talk about the stars because, um, yes. you know, we'll talk about, um, we will talk about the human stars because we've got you on and why not get your mm-hmm. opinion on them because they're, they're available to the, to the simian. But let's talk yes. about the two specific simian stars first. So first mm-hmm. of all, my favorite and... I've, I've listened to your podcast, Chance, and we know if the chimps are undercosted, this guy is really undercosted. <laughs> um, Furious George, and like Drew's, yes. Drew's a big fan of Curious George, isn't he? I heard him talking about that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, Furious yep. George, I love him. He's, he's super, super cool. He's, he's a chimp, standard stats. You've not changed the stats at all, so he's movement seven, strength three, agility three, armor seven. And then he has got all of the skills. He's, uh, he's a <laughs> with catch, which is amazing for that two plus catch. Dodge. Uh, he's got wrestle like a chimp, so wrestle dodge straight off the bat, extra arms like you'd expect, strip ball and pass block. And, and for me, it's that strip ball and wrestle for 170k. That, and he's, he's, not, he's not super undercosted because he's quite easy to kill, actually, if you get a tackle player. Mm-hmm. But he's probably about 10, 20k undercosted. And I think you said that on your podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, the, the idea him, of him was to take a rostered chimp that had survived long enough to become really great at what he does. Um, and we had a lot of fun with him. We, we at that time had not seen a lot of star players that were dedicated to just popping the ball out. At that time, a lot of star players were purposely very bad, you know, very little block, yeah. very little wrestle. Um, the, and, and the ones that were good, like a Hubris, for example, or a Moranian, the Elf Blitzers, of course, you know, it's block, it's tackle, you know, even Mighty Blow, uh, definitely designed to hit and to injure. And we knew that's not where we wanted to go. The team is a is an, is an opportunistic sort of control, sort of ball hunting team. We thought a, a, a sweeper or a safety or a sacker. I, I love all the names of that positional. In fact, I wish that could be renamed the chimp like safety. Slon too. That's a whole separate argument. The blitzer is not a blitzer. He's a, he's a safety. But um, 
yeah, that's where we went with Furious George. Yeah, really no starting him. block. You know, he's, he's not a big exactly <laughs> right. It's exactly right. So that's where we went with him. Um, it's a defensive player quite quite a bit, and um, yeah, just just really great. Probably is undercosted a bit. Um, he gets taken quite a bit. We we've, we've heard from long term leagues because unfortunately the Apes do take some injuries, and you'll find some games in which you are down inducements, and he evens things up quite a great deal. And the last thing I'll say about him for now is that. He is not nearly as overcosted now in this new world of star players. You know, with all the spikes that are coming out and teams are getting all these stars, you know, we just talked about it more. Um, you know, 3 Block just recorded the show. We'll have out soon. We did uh, Tournament Humans, and we talked about all kinds of new star players, and there are so many of them that are just plug-and-play now. It's out A dedicated driving I player. I listened to it. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. See, Drew puts yeah. them out. I don't even know. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> so, some of them are just plug-and-play dirty players, plug-and-play blitzers, plug-and-play ball carriers. So many of them now, it, it's block, and it's mighty blow, and it's tackle, and it's, you know, it, it, they're just so good. So in this new world now, Furious George suddenly seems sort of pedestrian. He doesn't yeah. seem nearly as, as broken good as he did at that time. And, yeah, he was probably a little undercosted at the time, but – we had to make a name with, you know, a player named Furious George. That was just too much of a, of a pun it's to pass easy. up. It's so easy, isn't it? I mean, like, <laughs> Furious yeah, George very easy. so cool. But yeah, and, and you've kind of jumped the gun on the question, Chance. I was going to ask you about the new, the new stars. And, and it's fine you've answered them. We'll, we'll just talk about it a little bit more. We're going to segue, listeners, um, to talk about that, the new GW <laughs> players. Because you're right, the old school players, um, you know, like, a, like you know, um, Ramsett, the third, um, and um, and some players that were quite really quite expensive. Um, he's just mm-hmm. a guy I checked out, but uh, quite expensive. Mm-hmm. And like you said, not with tackle, and not with um, not with wrestle, and not with like traditionally really good skills for what they do. Yes, well, which is interesting. And and what I want to ask you, Chance, actually, was um, how do you feel? Because and I'll say our front listeners, I've said it on all the podcasts, but all of these all of these race reviews do it quite standalone. So people might dip in and want to listen to similar. They might not listen to the other podcasts. So I'll just say it again. <laughs> Um, I'm a massive GW fanboy, as I'm sure you've got, but I really, <laughs> really don't like um, the new Spike stuff. And I'll give you an example where they've got, we've got Setek, and Setek I love. Setek is, a, and this is an example, and we've got um, Zara. I'm sure you were going with this. You, you know yes. what We've got Zara. Both are really cool star players, old school in the fan, and I love them, and I grew up with them, and they're really, really cool. And Games Workshop have almost like um, chickened out, I think. They've gone... Well, we think people are still going to want to use them. We think we're not going to, you know, piss off the oldies. So we're going to bring out new players with slightly different names. We've got Ivan and we've got Carla. We're going to slightly change their rules and we're going to allow people to use both. And we're going to, we're going to let them nap. We're going to let other people take that burden off us and decide whether to use them or not. And I, that's how I feel. I, I think they should have just thrown some fucking balls and gone, you know what? <laughs> Setek's great. We love Setek, but we want to change his rules. And we want to give him, because Ivan's got tackle, but no break tackle, which I prefer mm-hmm. Setek personally. Break tackle's fucking cool on that team. But mm-hmm. they should have just thrown some balls and gone, Setek, here's his new rules. Use him. This is what we think, and, and crack on. And I think they chickened out there, personally. And I, I don't know what you think about that. But you're nodding. I think you agree. <laughs> uh, it, it, to a lot of it, yeah. I, I real quick want to thank your listeners for, uh, for sticking with us from the whiplash, because I'm very bad at sticking on topics. So we're going to be all over the place here. But, um, so, yeah, regarding the star players, I originally was not a fan of them putting out so many. And let's look at block. Let's just key, let's just key on the key skill of the game block. So many star players previously to 2016 didn't have block that was a rare commodity um and then ram tut had wrestle so he sort of counted but block was just super good and of course it did make those stars hired all the time and all the other stars were a real mixed bag unless you wanted like a chainsaw or a stabber they don't need the block but everyone else you were real concerned about that 
one of the reasons why Silly Billy was one of the unbelievably best star players of all time. Yeah. All of his skills were just cookie cutter. Yeah. So I wasn't, a, I wasn't a fan of when the new players started coming out. There was all this block, all these great skills, just tackle. And these dedicated, dirty players just totally made me jealous because that is the player the Goblin roster should have got. But again, yeah. that's, a, that's a divergence. Um, yeah, the zombie, yeah, I, the zombie dirty player. And the zombie, exactly. And the zombie yeah. goblin. And come on, you're just killing me now. They're just trolling me now. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was thinking they were kicking it out in, in that regard. They were just taking all these difficult-to-manage stars that were probably overcosted and just giving you all of these great stars. Now, I want to, after looking back at it more, I want to give them some credit. I hope, I hope, that the reason, the reason they're doing that is that they want to give new players that sit down at a table and you're 300,000 gold pieces behind your opponent or 400,000 or whatever it is, well, now you can hire a really great star. And that's going to hopefully close that gap a bit, that on-pitch gap, and try to minimize the complete bloodbaths that, you know, can happen in Blood Bowl. I'm hoping that's the reason. Uh, but, yeah, I do agree with you in that they did kind of um, crap out a little bit there and just make them – you said they kind of crapped out because they didn't do a lot with the older stars. I'm saying I agree because they just gave you so many great stars and they cut so many old ones out for what I, I can't figure out the reason. Um, the Zara to Carla, I mean, I love the name Carla Von Kill, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm imagining this giant, like, roller derby playing bruiser that's just, she's, she's the woman you want to know, right? Um, but I don't know why Zara left the Carla came in. There's been some replacements, some, like, body snatching, some swapping going on of the star players that I don't quite get. Um, I miss Ithaca Benoin. I yeah. thought that player was terrifically designed. That whole dark player had died, became a thrower, like – you could see both the Dark Elf Runner and the Thrower or the Anointed Thrower, uh, both in that player. Thought it was remarkably well-designed. Um, some of that originality, I think, we are losing because of all these block, tackle, you know, excellent star players. But then they come out with an undead goblin, and now I'm like, oh, you got me. I don't know, Pretty I don't cool. know what I'm feeling now. <laughs> so the star players have been a mixed bag. Uh, Drew and I have talked about how inconsistent they have been. Um, some of them get – I forget what the name is, uh, not a star player of legend, but they get a player that – you can't play really except in certain rules, but then not every team got one. It's that inconsistency to me is just maddening because not only as a player, I'm also a collector yeah. and I'm worried we're not going to get all the spikes and not all spikes are going to thematically match. And that's a whole thing. So I agree. The star players um, approach they have taken has been problematic. I like some of it. I don't like some of it. And my main concern is that it's just been all over the place. Yeah. I think I'd agree with that. And I'm a big fanboy of the spikes. And I think, because they, and I, I know this for a fact, because I've spoken to a few people I won't speak about, but who've got, um, yeah. <laughs> I can wildly speculate because I have no link. <laughs> exactly, your sources. Yeah, but effectively, um, and you'll, you'll have noticed in the Spike Mags, they had a lot of stars in the early Spikes, and then they reduced mm -hmm. it, like from the Halfling one onwards, I think. And basically, some guy mm -hmm. higher up in GW decided, and, and that's fine, they, they decide this, their IP and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They're like, he basically said, we're only going to produce stars now for the for the players that we know we can produce models for, um, which is which is good and bad because it means that we've now got models that we've got stars that come out that haven't got models and we're like cool let's expect models and that's great that's really exciting that we hopefully mm -hmm. get those models but it's also a bit crap because you know we we used in the half uh, the halflings were the last one I think where they got loads and loads of stars at least ten stars and then suddenly the Lizardman only had like five and we're like well you know it's just it's just a bit crap for the for the listeners and the players and the people who play the game. More stars is great because it's fun. And we love, we play Bubble because it's fun. And I can see why Games Workshop did it, but I also, 
personally disagree because I just want more stuff to play with. And that's like a selfish thing, I guess. But I agree. I totally agree. And just as a quick aside, as a store owner, I think it would be great if they would make more of these special miniatures not through Forge World, yeah. through Games Workshop proper, because stores have a hard time getting them. I've even heard that stores in uh, in the UK have a hard time getting that Forge World stuff. I just do, I yeah. don't see why I don't see why Games Workshop is doing that. Um, that's that's a small aside. And also, I think if they put together a boxed set. <clears throat> that looked like a team, but it was 10 star players. I think that would sell. I think people yeah, would buy that, buy even that. if they don't like lizards or wood elves. But if there's a human star and a wood elf star and a chaos star, you know, a nice team of 10 miniatures, charge 35, whatever it's going to be, that would sell. So, Games Workshop, you can have that for free. Get it done. Just get a little it done. plug we'll there on how they're doing things. We'll buy it <laughs> we'll, and we'll promote it. Like, that's the there thing. There you go. We'll love it. Go and do exactly. it. Exactly. Take our <laughs> money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing you know, we, we are like regardless of what you say we are games workshop fanboys when they do it right like we're gonna buy their shit if they do it well yeah and so listen absolutely to what, true and they've been really good at doing community stuff and actually listening to community more and when they do that stuff mm -hmm. we'll buy it and we'll promote it and people will do it so just just listen to us and do it do it exactly right <laughs> we love and know the game but trust us <laughs> <laughs> anyway chads we have segued and I don't, I don't really care like the listeners can turn off if they want to this is this is my podcast <laughs> I can take away as much as I want. But, um, and I'm sure uh, you're, you're enjoying being on it because you usually have Drew and Tim and the guys going, no, Chance, get back on top of it. Get back on top of it. Um, <laughs> but I am now saying, Chance, get back on top of it. So we've, okay. we've done Furious George. Furious George, super cool. The next mm -hmm. one, almost even cooler. King Boombastic, who is like yes. a silverback on crack. He is yes. movement six, so he's faster than a normal silverback. Mm -hmm. He's strength five, agility one, armor nine. And then... It's interesting. He must have had two iterations, Chance, because you said he had piling on. He's not got piling yes. on. He's not got piling on. He's got it's... break, tackle, grab, yes. mighty blow, juggernaut, and wild animal for 270k. So did he have piling on in an earlier iteration? That's what yes. Right. He was the winner. We actually had a fan contest on the show. He was uh, mostly fan designed, uh, and we tweaked okay. him a bit before we put him onto, um, um, onto Fumble. So yeah, he was the winner there. Um, yeah, he originally began with piling on. We have a big, or, or pile on. Piling on is a skill we've talked about at length on the show for several reasons. Um, this whole idea of that the CR, the, not the CRP, the 2016 needed to tweak that skill. Um, King Boombastic was a victim of that, basically. So on Fumble, they went over, of course, you know, they, they follow all the GW rules, and they should. I understand the situation. They should. So Krista wrote me and said, well, okay, we got to handle Boombastic. Piling on is not a skill he can just have anymore. The rules have changed. Um, and a lot of the, the players and, and teams on Fumble just swapped over to Juggernaut. They just swapped all the piling onto Juggernaut. We didn't want that for him for obvious reasons. So we thought break tackle. But let's make him let's make him much better. Again, that's a skill that I don't think any other big guy starts with. At least not not a non-star. So we went with that. We went with the break tackle. Um, that is why he no longer has piling on because the, the rules changed and he got swept up in that. Um, so there you go. Not not a super sexy answer, but there you go. You know, rules change. Well, so we break tackle. And we've done that over here is actually in the UK. I'm, I'm, again, I'm an old school player, so I'm a massive, massive disliker of the, that. That was not the way to change that rule at all. It was bullshit. Like Very clumsy. Yeah, they brought it in because claw, mighty blow, piling on is ridiculous. Fair. Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted to change that. But actually, piling on mighty blow on human teams, on um, you know, dwarf teams, Norse teams, Bretonian teams, all those kind of teams is, is really good. And actually, the problem was, mixing it with Chlora Mighty Blow, not actually the skill itself. And they just, they completely fucked it up. I'll say that straight off the bat. That's what they did. And, and you know, but I, I think they know that now. And they, 
If anyone ever listens to this, something in it, they know that. <laughs> it was very heavy-handed. I totally agree. I mean, we can all disagree on where the, the issues were. I do believe that Claw Mighty Blow was much worse than Mighty Blow Pylon. My main issue was, you can have a, a discussion about how to fix it. My main issue was, in my opinion, the problem was so much more concentrated with online leagues where a chaos team could start and within a month you could have a hundred games played and have, you know, four mighty blow claw pylon guys in real life. I played uh, chaos renegades for quite a while. I played them for two years, real life years. And at the end of that time, I had one guy. I mean, in real life, it just takes so much longer to gain those skills, but online it's, it's hyper accelerated. So my main issue was that it was a tabletop rules change, very clumsy, very heavy handed based on an online problem that that to me was was a real misstep uh, and i agree with you i think they do see now they kind of flubbed that and and they i mean they were like it's a re-roll you can't use them together oh, it's an optional skill okay now it's not a re-roll i mean they just they just stamped it to death i mean just over and over it was it was really clumsy um i don't think it's nearly the problem people think it is in tabletop obviously online the the uh, accruing of skills is accelerated so it's a different thing uh, but yeah, that was just super clumsy. It's not a big deal. But you know, in the end, uh, Kimu Bastic gets his break tackle, and you know, all's well in uh, Ape Land. He loves it. I mean, he's, he's a really cool player with the Juggernaut and the Wild Animal and the Mighty Blow. Um, strength five and a bit faster. I, I think he's really super cool, and he's not too expensive for a big guy. He's two seventy k, same sort of price as Ripper. He has that grab mm -hmm. as well. And you look at the stats. You know, he's not got a strength six, but he's got strength five. So he's definitely a player that you, one would use in tournaments. And if you're that three hundred k behind and you've got mm -hmm. a bit of stats in a league, he'll. He'll change it. Well, you know, the double, if you've got two <laughs> silverbacks, two, one silverback's great. Two's got to be fucking amazing. Like, that's, that's oh, it. oh, my gosh. Yeah, um, we, well, uh, we costed him down just a bit to reward what we feel is his, his aggressive gameplay. I mean, you look at his skill set, you want to be two-upping on a blitz with him almost every turn. He's, he's that good. He's, he's a minotaur, uh, he's minotaur level of good blitzing, but with different skills. Instead of the frenzy, he gains the break tackle, his movement. So you're taking a lot of risk with him. So we thought we want to really push him a little bit and uh, make his cost down just just a, a smidge. Yeah, that makes sense. And he's he's a lot cheaper than Grashnak, for example, who's who's the yes. star dude. So and that that makes total sense. So those are your well, Grashnak two... listens to you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> didn't have the wild animal. He, he's like, yep. yeah, no coach. Yeah, I'm gonna go and do that. I yep. agree. King Boom Bassett's Funny. like, no, nope, I'm not gonna do that because I'm gonna look here and look at this like coconut on the floor right now. <laughs> exactly. Every so often, exactly. But that's cool, Chance. So we got the two Simeon stars, and hopefully we'll see more. Maybe we'll do some more fan Simeons and see if we can get a throw orangutan and some other bits and bobs in. That'd be really cool. We had plans for a third, I can tell you about. It, it, never, it never came out. Um, we actually had plans not only to develop these, but to have Impact make miniatures. We were going to make a pair of Gibbons. Nice. Um, you know, Blood Bowl now has several we talked about on the last three I blocked. A lot of these uh, stars now, you know, Brickfarth and Grotty were the ones for a while, but now you have a lot of these stars you can hire as pairs. Um, well, again, we're not claiming we were first because we blatantly got this idea from Brick, Par Brick Farth and Grotty. But we had an idea for two Gibbons that played together. And the that reason it sunk them mainly. The new skink guys as well. Like they build into that. Oh, well. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, the reason it, it, it eventually got sunk and we didn't go through it is that we really wanted a new skill on them. And we, in the end, we decided <clears throat> we weren't going to new skill because basically one of them could throw the other. They were very acrobatic together, but they were both two ag or two strength and stunties but they could throw each other and only each other. And in the end, we just couldn't make that work. But that, that was going to be the third star player that we would um, unveil later on. But in the end, we couldn't make the, uh, the new skill work. And people were receiving the team so well, and we had tweaked it slightly based on people's feedback. And things were going well. We thought, let's not rock the banana cart, and let's just keep going. So there were plans to make a, a combo of given star players that just didn't come to fruition.
I get that chance. Let's, but let's, let's leave that now. We're far enough down. Let's bring out some more stars. Maybe think about that in the next few years and try and <laughs> I mean, you could do a throw orangutan dude pretty easily, actually. He could be oh, yes. with, some, with some cool passing stuff and, and you could cost him appropriately. Like he would work well. I yeah, think. I totally agree. Um, but yeah, let's quickly touch on chance as well. So they've got, um, they've got access to pretty standard human stars. They've got, um, they've got your helmet wolves. They've got a chainsaw in there. Pretty much every player has a chainsaw. And yeah, you know, <laughs> Helmet's the standard human lineman, guys. Move six, strength three, agility three, armor eight. Um, crucially for a chainsaw, it's 110K. Crucially, he's got stand firm. Any, any skill like sidestep, stand firm, I'm sure you agree, Chance, is, is great on a chainsaw. Because if you fuck that blitz up and you, you don't knock yep. it over, he's going to kill you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <clears throat> um, and then they've also got access to the, the standard, really strong human uh, stars, Griff Overwold and Mighty Zug. And um, I'd say it's a shame, Chance, because maybe after this, we, we might do a collaboration on your podcast. We'll see how it goes. But it's a shame, <laughs> it's a shame you've done the Humans 3.0 because I'm a massive human fan. Like, I'm quite known around uh, England for taking humans to tournaments. And that's okay. Um, so my standard build is Mighty Zug and an Ogre human team. That's what I do. I, I love the, the double strength. Turn, turn humans into this Uber Bash team. But you could do that with the with the apes for sure. If you you know if it, where apes are allowed in a in a torn build, they probably would be tier two, so they probably have a double access. And I go that route. I, and we'll talk about it later. But I take um, a silver back with block and mighty zerg and fit that in. I think that'd be quite a cool build to take. Actually, the the kind of almost the the, the ape version of the human build would, would work. <laughs> I'm glad he's in there. <laughs> Zug is so good. Zug is basically a, a shaved ape as it is. That guy is one of the best star players of all time. Um, and some of us locally have been enjoying that Zug tournament build with humans. So I, I totally see where you could go the, the Simeon route with that. Absolutely. Perfect. And then they've also got access to Griff. And, and again, Griff kind of brings in with that strength four, agility four. So, he's, I mean, listeners, we, we, we'll do a human podcast, but he's movement seven, strength four, agility four, armor eight. So he's like a, a strength up, agility up, human blitzer with lock, dodge, fend, sprint, sure feet for 320k. He's He's got it all. And you spoke about it on your, on your uh, human podcast. He's, he's literally got all the shit you want as like a human. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And he brings to the apes. If you want to move the ball around, he can do that. If you want to bash people, he can do that. So he, he, he would bring a loads to the team, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's terrific. He, he, has, he has no holes in his game at all. He's terrific. <laughs> and then the last player I'll talk to you about, and I've, got a, I've, got, I've actually got um, a slight segue to talk to, uh, We don't do segues. No, we do do segues on this podcast. <laughs> But Morgan, Morgan Thorg, no, it's all right, Chance. Uh, Morgan Thorg, Chance. Um, he's a he's a player. I've I've actually been nicknamed on the tournament scene here as Morg because I've taken Morg <laughs> a lot with stunty teams, um, and that's his big problem. He's a uh, move six, strength six, agility three, armor ten. Listeners, we talked about him on loads of these race reviews with block, mighty blow, thick skull, throw teammate for four hundred and thirty k, and that's his his weakness is his expense. But he has, he's the complete ogre, right? But the problem mm-hmm. with the Indians is he's so expensive. You just can't really fit him in with stuff. Like no. That. Um, but so what I come back at you with is, um, have you seen the new Bob Bifford stuff? Have you read <laughs> about Bob Bifford? Yeah, I've seen Bob Bifford. Uh, he's easily the best ogre since Morg, for sure. You know, a slightly different, powerful. Yeah, I'm, me, I'm assuming like, the wheels are turning with like a Bob-Morg combo on a team yeah. somehow. I mean, for me, like <laughs> 50K less for a guy who's still strength six and armor 10. But got break tackle, and he's still got block. He's got mighty blow, juggernaut, three teammate, thick skull. But he's 50k less, and actually, the stuff he loses, he loses that agility three. But I've talked to, with a lot of my um, guests about him. I just think, and he's a legendary star, so some tournaments don't allow him. But I just think right. Bob is really super awesome, and he's 
that 380k price tag means I think we'll see him in tournaments. I think he, he's definitely a, a contender. You could actually fit him into teams that aren't stunties, could fit him in. I still think, <laughs> I, mean, I think you probably agree. I still think in the Simeons, because of the way they're costed, actually, a lot of their positionals are so expensive, he probably still doesn't fit into this team. Yeah, I would agree. If you're going to get value out of Bob, you're going to pick a different team. I think you lose too much with the Simeon. I mean, Bob plus a bunch of Bonobos is, is not much of a not much of a team, unless it's for the memes. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think his cost kind of hurts him in that regard. Yeah, no, fair enough, Chance. Right, listeners, I think that uh, draws a, a, a close to the segment about the roster. We'll take another quick break here, and we'll come and talk about the tactics. Sounds good, such as they are with apes. <laughs> now I'm the king of the swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. I've reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man, man cub, and stroll right into town. And be just like the other men, I'm tired of walking around, oh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to a very special Talk Knuckle episode where we're talking about the apes, the simians, and we're going to dive into the tactics with Chance. I'm very excited. Tactics, <laughs> like you said at the end of the last <laughs> tactics such as they are with the apes, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, they, I mean, most, most Blood Bowl teams, uh, except the very, very high tier, they have what they try to do. And uh, quite often you need a plan B and C and D all the way down through. Yeah, they, they have, a, they have a, a plan doesn't always come through. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, um, and I'm going to put this a little bit out of turn, Chance, because we forgot to talk about the re-rolls um, oh, in, sure. in the initial roster bit. And I'm just going to chat that in. And it kind of fits into the tactics and how good the apes are tactically at playing the game and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But as we know, there's, there's basically three costs for, for re-rolls. There's 50k, 60k, 70k. And you've plumped the apes in that bang in the middle, 60k. Um, and we know that the re-rolls, actually the way GW have done them in the past is like, how good is the team at playing Blood Bowl, right? It's like, how, how do they train? That's why humans got 50K, L's mm -hmm. 50K and stuff. How did you go about costing the, the Simeon re-rolls, the 60K re-roll? You hit it right on the head. We plopped them right in the middle because we, 50 is probably too good. Uh, we understand why some teams have it. It's, they're just so good. Um, and then 70 is clearly for teams like Underworld you know, or Kimry, uh, teams that don't practice or don't have that sort of drive. And we just felt that while the Simeon weren't a practice Blood Bowl team, they are a practice social community. They mm -hmm. will communicate together. They've come out of the jungle, you know, to, to play this game. And they've lived and worked together for, you know, generations. So we thought right in the middle, that was just the, the best, uh, best option. And I'm glad they only had three options because middle made the most sense. If there were four or five options, we might still be, still be working on it today. That makes perfect sense. Um, that, that, so it's again, it's it's not a cop out, but it's it's kind of the easy option. Makes sense to bang them straight out of the middle and chuck in that six mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, right, for Chance, sure. Let's dive into the tactics. So my my reading of the team, and I played a bit of them now, is you know they don't they don't quite. And we're we're going to talk. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about tactics in general, but then we'll talk about offense, defense, and stuff later on. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, they don't quite have the speed and agility of like a super fast agile team like your Wood Elves and your other Elves. But they also don't have the resilience of a bash team. So they, they kind of sit in between the two, don't they, when you're playing them tactically? They absolutely do. They're a hybrid team, um, much like a Necro, for example, or, or in a way humans, where they don't super um, accelerate in certain areas, but they have to kind of react and, and do different things. They're, they're squarely in the middle, for sure. Yeah. And I, I see them as, um, as like where their strength is, is they're definitely like a kind of ball retrieval team. So I put them mm -hmm. in that, that space of the really good defense, like, um, like your vampires or your Slan, um, and obviously way off the Richter scale Wood Elves. Like, they're, they're not good enough. <laughs> sure. 
but Lightwood Elves. And actually, I was thinking, I was thinking about this chance. I don't know what you think about it. I think they're quite like Skaven in a weird kind of way because mm-hmm. Skaven are really good at getting the ball back with their gutter runners, the, the grunners. Um, mm-hmm. But they're normal line rats, they're normal blitzers. They can't dodge quite as effectively, um, but they can pop the ball really effectively. And once the ball's on the ground, they can move it with super speed. And actually, the Simians can do that, that movement with speed mm-hmm. with the two plus handoffs, and they can move the ball 12, 13 spaces. And, and Simians, like, really, you really, really want to get that ball on the ground, don't you? If the ball's on the ground, that's where the Simians, the apes, they're going to excel. So they can pick it up with any foot they want, can't they? That analogy is a good one. They, they throw decent blocks. You have to be very sparing with it. Uh, the goal is always to pop the ball out. Where's my ball? Where's my ball? Every turn. Um, and to run away with it to a, to a lesser degree. They, they're better than Skaven in some ways. They're not nearly, obviously, as good as the, the gutter runners. But, yeah, that, that analogy is, is an apt one for sure. Because the, the two hands, they can just run into a tackle zone, grab the ball. And even in a tackle zone, it's three plus. It's like a normal mm-hmm. human whatever. They can't then dodge away unless they've got some skills. That's, that's the problem you <laughs> to get to. They can go in and retrieve it. And actually, they could throw it on a three plus, can't they? And they can, they can start to get it out mm-hmm. like, quite easily. Um, and if you're super lucky, there will be a chimp one off the, or, or a player one off the ball. You run in, pick it up for that three in that zone, just stand there and hand it to the next guy for the two, and they can be gone. Yeah. If, you, if, you're, if you're very lucky. So positioning is really, really important, isn't it? You've got to yes. get those apes in the right place to do those mm-hmm. sorts of handoffs, for sure. Um, there's two particular uh, strategies I want to talk about before we move on to it. We're going to talk about e- offense and defense for your, for your apes and how that goes well and stuff. And Because mm-hmm. they don't have tails, right, Chance? They're not monkeys. That's correct. They do not have tails because they are apes. <laughs> apes don't have tails. <laughs> don't worry. You haven't got Drew on this podcast. You're not going to be trolled. For the, uh, um, you know, he loves that shit, doesn't he? He loves to see Yes, it. he does. A little they've too much. A, <laughs> they've got a tail, right? They've got a tail. No, they don't have tails. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Let's talk about grab because grab is um, grab is a fantastic skill in these guys and and I heard you talk on your three die block podcast about that whole you know passing the player down the line and then chucking him straight out of the field that and, but it's two strategies isn't it there's the whole and we'll talk about how to develop your players you might want that frenzy and to push a player out because grab can really help that but also mm-hmm. the whole breaking teams up like that I think that's what grab brings in those two those two dynamics. I uh, absolutely agree. It's, it's a double-edged sword because you, want to, you have to throw blocks to use grab, of course, but all your four-string players don't have block, and they don't have access to block. So it's a, it's a real uh, balancing of those two things. Uh, and, yeah, you know, the big thing about Norris is their racial trait, in my opinion, is all the frenzy. It's not block. It's frenzy. And they will always look for the surf. The apes have a harder time of it, but probably the next easiest team that isn't a corn or a, or a, a Norse team because of all the grab. It's also very good against teams that outstrength them, like Kimri, um, other four strength teams, Black Orcs, Chaos Warriors, Soros, to move them around and break them up, to, to separate the guard out against dwarves. It's terrific to separate the guard out, um, that kind of thing, and force teams that don't want to spread out to spread out. Um, you know, people are probably, you know, talking to their, their headsets right now. Their main enemy there is Stand Firm. Stand Firm is, is, <laughs> is garbage. I don't mean that for real. I mean, I like Stand Firm, but – to not be pushed is one thing, but I wish there was some sort of play with grab. Um, grab canceling sidestep is terrific, but it rarely comes up as much as the grab stand firm. So you face a stand firm team, you'd much rather face like a 10 guard team than a 10 stand firm team. It's, it's horrible. Uh, but that said, yeah, you want to try to chain your grab together and spread teams out, kind of dissolve them on the pitch and move them around to give your players space to move for sure. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? If you're playing against like a dwarf, dwarf guy who's super slow anyway, 
And they've got, mm-hmm. and we all hate that. And, it, and I heard you talking on your podcast about, isn't there some dickhead in your league or tournament who takes like 12 guard and all his blockers? It's, I heard you uh, it's happened. It's happened a couple of times in different leagues, different, different players. One coach in each league has in the years past taken the 12 guard, 12 stand firm, tackle on everyone, even your runners and your troll slayers, you know, those kind of teams. And, you know, that's what you do. You play some claw palm and, and you, you handle it. <laughs> but all you're the apes and you go do you know what you've got guard I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you guys down the sides I'm going to mm-hmm. spread you out as far as possible you can't use your guard you're up against my strength four apes and, and that's mm-hmm. where grab really comes in isn't it you can, you can split those formations up and put them mm-hmm. where they don't want to be and they haven't and often people haven't played against that multiple grab so they've, they've built yeah. their cage and actually if you come, then come in a market and they can't deal with your strength four the next turn you're dragging people back into your eight you know the eight formation that's coming forward and they just don't know yep. what's big on it. So it's, it's like a unique thing because grab is really good, but people just don't take it mass usually. So it's, it's a different dynamic, isn't it? Yes, it, it absolutely is. Uh, you talked about, you know, not only pushing people apart, but dragging them into your team. If you want to set up a foul or, you know, maybe you're dragging a ball carrier to your, your chimp with wrestle or something. You're, you're dragging them into a better block for you. Uh, you have the options. Uh, and the best, you know, the, the magic hour uh, of the team is if you ever have a sidestepping, like a wood elf catcher or something on the sideline, thinking they're totally fine, and he just puts them right out. There's <laughs> no, no sidestepping. Get in the crowd. It's just, it doesn't happen a lot, but it is absolutely terrific. Um, it's the best example of an opponent forgetting what grab does. Just <laughs> throw them out. You know, it's great. So, Enormous yeah, it takes a little getting used to, and, uh, but we really enjoy it. And the, the holy grail with that grab, like you also, like you said, is, is where you, there's someone who's like maybe four, five, six steps into the center. I <laughs> think, yeah, this guy's safe, but I'm basing this gorilla. And you've got all your gorillas set up in this chain. And like you said, without block, it's a risk. Like in, often it won't come off. But that moment where you just, you just pass that guy down the line and, and you, can, you can see in your, head, in your mind's eye, like these gorillas, like having great fun and just passing this guy. <laughs> and then at the end, someone just pings him out. And, you're like, and the guy's like, ah, shit, that's happened. And it's so fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's a great little bit of revenge too. If, if some elf, you know, team stalls on you and they score on turn eight, you have one turn and they don't think anything of it. They fit, they, they have three guys on the line and the rest of the team is way back in the back. And you say, well, I got one turn before the half, this one line elf going to the crowd, going He's out good. to meet the public. Yeah. And they just watch him. They just watch it slowly happen and they can't stop it. It's terrific. You just got to hope for a friendly crowd. <laughs> I love it. And that's, and I don't know chance. I assume you don't watch much rugby over in, uh, over in America, but uh, not as much but- as I should. It's not, like, it's not quite like American football. We would say over here in Britain that it's more bloody, it's more brutal. There's, no, there's none of this namby-pamby, you don't wear like armor. Or <laughs> sure. you, just, you just go at your opponent. Um, but I see grab like in, in that thing where people are pulling guys apart and it's all full contact and there's no stoppages. So it's, you know, I see guys being thrown around and I feel like the gorillas are more like rugby players in an American football mm-hmm. setting. They're coming in. I could see- they, don't, they don't quite know the rules. They're just chucking people around. <laughs> and, and that's the style, isn't it? It's how the team's built. I, I completely agree. Yeah, grab and dump off, I think, are the, the two big rugby skills of Blood Bowl, for sure. Yeah, they play like that, for sure. I love that. Um, right, let's, before we go into the offense and defense chance, and the, the second skill I want to talk about is, um, is the whole wrestle thing on the chimps. I mean, these guys, and we've already chatted, we both, we know uh, um, uh, American football, but um, a lot of the guys listening don't. There are actually quite a few of the DBLs do like American football. We, um, actually, I don't know if you know Chance, but over here in, um, in England, on, uh, and it's this, I fully credit Games Workshop for what they did for this. Um, on Super Bowl Sunday, um, I don't know if you know this at all, but um, Games Workshop, the guys who did the Blood Bowl um, game, booked out uh, the Bugman's Bar 
for the Sunday, which is the American Football Sunday. And over here, you know, the, the game kicks off at, oh, must have been 10, 11 o'clock at night. Like it kicked off really late. <laughs> right. Late, but, you know, and usually Bugman's Bar shuts at four o'clock in the afternoon. So they booked the mm -hmm. bar out. They put on the <clears> staff, did all that. They put on um, the Super Bowl, like an, an uh, what was it called? It was called Bugman's Bar Brawl, I think, but it was effectively a Super Bowl game. So we went and played three games of Blood Bowl. And I'll be honest, this is where they fell down. The Games Watcher guys did not know how to run a Blood Bowl event. I was like, oh. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, Thomas. Uh, it was it surprise bad. Me at all. You know, the way they did it, it was bad. But it was a lot of fun. Like, I turned up, right. just had some drinks at Bugman's Bar, and you've been to Bugman's Bar. It's loads of fun. Yes. Had some drinks. And um, we played, and that was the thing, we played the first game in their canteen not in Bugman's Bar because it started at one. So we had the first game in, in the canteen and that was like, I was like, this is a bit shit. Like, this is, you know, this is all like can, canteen tables and then, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then the next two games were in Bugman's Bar because they shut it at four and they booked it out. So playing Blood Bowl in Bugman's Bar on those wooden tables. Um, and then, and then they, they actually had, um, and they had the, uh, the Six Nations, which is the rugby, well, um, the rugby uh, thing we have here every year. We have England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, France, Italy, all those teams play that. So they had Six Nations on in the afternoon with England playing. So that was on on the big screen in the afternoon, playing Blood Bowl, getting some beers in. It was really atmospheric and really, really cool. And then they shut the, obviously we finished the event and that finished at about ooh, eight, nine o'clock. And then the Super Bowl kicked off and all the Blood Bowl guys were watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was so cool. It was like a really cool event because we played some Blood Bowl and then we watched the Super Bowl in Bugman's Bar. I mean, that, it was just so much fun. And that, kudos to them. It was, it was a really cool idea. And they, they did pull it off. That, that is amazing. It does not get much more Blood Bowl than playing Blood Bowl with a pint in Bugman's Bar. That's, that's terrific. Yeah, hats off to them for doing that. That's a great and then, idea. And then rolling into the Super Bowl. I mean, it's <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> it was just, just super, super cool. But anyway, I was, we were talking about wrestle. So, and about the whole, like, um, how they don't know how to do American football players, but how you guys... Do. so and these using wrestle on the chimps like we've talked about already they're like your perfect safeties aren't they they are literally american football safeties that's why they've got these skills you've got a couple of them that it makes perfect sense and that's why they've got those skills right absolutely right we we always envision them as safeties or sweepers uh, as opposed to blitzers wrestle also plays very well with the grab and the extra arms because they're a very handsy team that's they want to put their hands on you and do unpleasant things to you that's that's that all just fits together uh, and it just led their their skill progression too. So we wanted Russell. We have, again, we've been talking a lot with Tom Anders and about how when Russell came in, it was they wanted some counteract counteractive uh, skill to block. I mean, block has no no counter in the game. People might say it's dodge, but I, I don't think that's true. There was no counter to block. Um, not that it's broken by any means. Most teams would just counter block with block. That's just what would happen. Um, but Russell became that first way that you could block someone and have an option. No, nobody gets hurt. We're going to fall on the ground and wrestle around. Um, it was just so beautiful in its simplicity. You know, and, and the game, I think the game didn't realize how badly it needed it, quite frankly. And, and wrestle is one of my all-time favorite skills. And the chimp just made the, the natural carrier of it because of the position we wanted him to play. Yeah, you can, you can see that chimp. And again, I go back to me watching Planet of the Apes. I watched it recently, mm -hmm. right? just sitting, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night at the moment. Living with <laughs> Living, I've just actually moved in with my girlfriend during lockdown because we had to. Like, so she, yep. <laughs> so about nine o'clock at night, she goes to the bedroom and watches her stuff in her room. And then I sit and watch because she doesn't like fantasy. She doesn't like sci-fi. So I say, so I've been sitting watching Planet of the Apes this week. That's my, been my nine o'clock onwards film. So good. But I can just imagine the chimpanzee. He's rolling around the floor. He's giggling. He's laughing. And the rocker footballers, the, the, the blood ball players, like, what the, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. he's pressing me down. He's just giggling and he's, 
he's hooing like a monkey, an ape, sorry, and he's carrying on. <laughs> it's totally synonymous what you think of the apes. They love playing the game, and it's just kind of a, an extension of the fun and the, the, like, that they have with life. I could just totally see that. <laughs> Absolutely. You have something they want, so they're going to jump, run at you and jump on you and knock you down to get the thing they want. Yeah, the football. But it's, sure. a, but it's a super effective skill, and we'll talk a chance in a bit about how to develop your team. So I've got some opinions that you may not have heard. You may have, but you may not have heard about how, how to develop Pretty those teams, and we'll talk about it. But Chance, let's talk about, um, let's talk about offense first with, the, with mm-hmm. the, uh, the apes, the apes of wrath, the simians, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, for me, these guys, they can score when they want, right? They've got, that, they've got mm-hmm. the extra arms. They can move the ball around. They can literally score when they want. They're not, um, and, and like we've said already, they're not dodgy like hells, as in they can't dodge mm-hmm. away, they can't move around, but they can ball handle like hells. So, mm-hmm. so how do you play these guys on offense? Do you look to score quickly? Because you can't really grind, can you, usually, against like a normal bash team? It's very rare that you can grind. Uh, you need some development. I mean, one of the ways to overcome the uh, gorilla's lack of block is to prioritize points on your bonobos. Um, a lot of teams will... You know, all their points sort of gravitate. The star player points gravitate to the positionals. It's just the way the game is played. The linemen kind of get left behind. Well, Bonobos can get blocked immediately if that's the way you want to go, block, wrestle, and your gorillas can get guard. So you may want to prioritize getting skills on them so you can throw the blocks to clear the space. Again, not a bashy team like you said, but you may want to start to plan that way because you want to throw a lot of blocks. Because much like Skaven, like you so correctly pointed out, they can move the ball real well. They don't get out of contact exceptionally well. So you need to make those blocks in your favor. Um, as far as scoring quickly is concerned, again, this is like everything in Blood Bowl. It depends on the matchup. Um, if you are going to play a slow team that maybe doesn't completely outguard and outblock and outbash you, you want to get a, a little quick two-turn in, put the pressure on them to rush it a little bit, and then kind of play that step back, get in the way, you know, grab them, break them up a little bit, like a dwarf team. Chaos Dwarves, if they're not putting the ball in the ball in the bowl centaur's hand, a team you think you can stay in front of and kind of stall out until the half, go up 1-0, minimize your damage go from there. Um, There are a few instances, of course, that you do want to stall and kind of play the grindy team. If you've, if you're at the 1.2, 1.3 million, you know, value, maybe have a block gorilla, you got some guard, um, your chimps have got a couple skills, you might grind and stall out on an elf team, for example, especially if they don't leap or they have no way to get in on you. Um, Yeah, you don't want to give the elves the ball or any more time than than they deserve. Uh, So yeah, you've just really got to be flexible. And I know this is kind of redundant a lot of blood balls about that but that's why it's such a great fluid game you know coaches have to react every turn every action it's not just a well I'll just put it on autopilot and do this thing for eight turns and I'll win um, so yeah occasionally you do want to grind occasionally you want to score quickly really depends on the opponent and the matchup yeah and interestingly I've heard listen to your I've listened to your podcast chance I'm a I'm, it's, <laughs> you, thank you <laughs> you talked about Jervis I'm a fanboy of you chance um, and don't, yeah take it <laughs> the right way definitely and I've listened to your podcast through it about about um Interestingly, you, you kind of compare the, the apes to the humans a little bit like that. And, and they're, not, they're not like the humans in that, and don't take this the wrong way, listeners. We will do a proper human talk through it about, because I, I love the humans. But the humans are super flexible because of their skills. Like, they've got mm-hmm. super average stats across the line. And no strength four anywhere, no agility four anywhere, none of that shit. They've just got really good skills, and therefore they can adapt to the player they're playing mm-hmm. The apes do the same thing, but actually through... They've got the, the uh, gorillas with the strength four. They've got extra arms across the board so they can move the ball around more than you think. And, but also with the apes, I've noticed they, they kind of have to. Like the way they play, the, the humans you know, choose to do that more flexibly where they want. The apes have, have to adapt properly. Mm-hmm. Whether they're playing a bash team or, a, or an agility team. And on the offense, like you said, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming 
So against um against like if you're playing like Wood Elf or something, you're gonna obviously Wood Elves can pop the board the hell they want. So you've got to play that mm -hmm. how you effectively as you can. But you probably do want to try and grind because you've got that strength four and you can mm -hmm. control that with a grab and push the top. <clears> and you're gonna try and grind against the agility teams, but then against the bash teams, like you said, you've got that option to do really and we you talked about it in your podcast chance about that. They can do an easy two turn touchdown if they need to. Mm -hmm. um, and put that pressure on the team. So, so like you said, they, they've got to be adaptable, but it's, it's slightly different to the humans in that I would categorize it as the humans can do it and will do it because they've got the skills. Mm -hmm. The apes have to do it because of, they've got that armor and they've got the things that make them have to work like that, haven't they? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And they've got to be ready to change on a moment's notice. You know, there may come a time where the Wood Elves have bodied you up uncharacteristically and they've gotten a couple of good shots. Maybe a gorilla had a block skull turnover and you've got to immediately flip that switch and change to a get the ball away and, and run for it kind of thing. Yeah, I, I agree. And th those similarities to the humans and their adaptability was intended. There was a whole like human ape evolution kind of in, in joke there about how you have to evolve and play with them. They can't just man up and bash teams like a chaos or Nurgle and they can't just outrun you like uh, what else you've got to be squarely in the middle and be ready to change. And I, I love that about the team. It's worked out really well. And it kind of comes back to that Planet of the Apes psyche of the humans, <laughs> yep. humans versus the apes, and they do different things, and they kind of, you know, it's, it's in the same, the whole same picture for me. But anyway, <laughs> listeners, that's, I think that, that perfectly summarizes the offense for the, for the apes. Chance, I think you'd agree. They, they've got to be flexible. Yes. Um, they, they can grind if you, if you assess that your opponent is weak, and you, particularly when you start to develop and you've got that mighty blow of gorillas. We'll talk about that and things like that where you can really put the pain on people. Um, but they yep. also have to look to score quickly against teams that are just going to kill them. And I've played quite a lot of games sure. where my whole team has just died. Because <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And it can that happen. Happens. They just explode. Like, the monkeys, and it's so sad. Like, I had a team, you know, game early on where two monkeys just died straight away. And it, I was really attached to those monkeys. It was, it was really sad when it happened. But you, you've got to be adaptable. But Charles, yes, they, yeah. Let's go into the, the defense as well. And I, I actually think, and I, I think you probably agree the way you've been going, but I think this is where the, the Simeon really excel, the defense. They, they want to be defending, a bit like, um, a bit like a Slan, a bit like Vampire, seems like that, that, mm -hmm. that wants to defend. You know, you, you're going to stand up your opponent because you've got that armor value seven and you can't dodge away, so you're going to stand off. Um, you're going to use your wrestle. You're going to use your grab to break up the bash teams like we talked about. And then, as we've already talked about use that extra arms to your advantage a ball on the floor is a good thing <clears throat> for the apes right if you can get that yes. ball on the floor you're going to be at an advantage against most teams that's absolutely true yeah and, and i do like their kind of unusual defensive ability like you said against teams like slan they have all that leap you know vampires have all that hypno gaze uh bretonians i would throw in there all that starting wrestle and fend there are some team nurgle obviously are, to me they're the kings of the defense all that foul parents disturbing presence um, some tentacles thrown in there. A lot of these teams, there's a lot more uh, varied ways to play a defense ingrained in Blood Bowl than there is offense. I mean, offense, it's you run the ball down the field, you score. That's basically it. No matter how you do it or you throw it, that's what's happening. But defense, there are so many varied ways uh, to shut an opponent down in this game. It's just beautiful. And we were hoping that uh, uh, Simeon could do that, like you said, with the grab. Not as well as some of those teams, obviously. They need some help. But, yeah, they're a defensive-minded team first. And someone once said, this is not from me, but someone put it really well and said that, you know, Blood Bowl, most of your teams have what you need to score already. I mean, that's all pretty much in there. Even the not good teams, you pick the ball up, you run down the field, you got it. You need to develop your team to play defense. And the 
Simeon are already kind of you – know, they have a foot in the right direction there. They're absolutely a different. That makes sense. Sorry, um, Chance, you're cutting out a little bit there. Can you uh, just say that again? Hello? I would agree that they are a defensive team first. You need to develop them in that regard to make them defensive because their offense is already there in the team to start. Right. Yeah, you're back now. You just, you just went a bit uh, Dalek there for a bit. Like, Doctor Who Dalek. Super old, uh, super old phone there, probably. That's what's happening. <laughs> I think you were just moving around too much. That's, <laughs> oh, that's fair. Shifting there a little bit. Getting comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I fully agree that the whole defense thing. But the problem they've got, and this is the last bit we'll talk about the tactics, is that, um, you know, they are a defensive team like Vampires, like the Slam, but... They, they do struggle a little bit more to, like, reliably pop the ball. You've got to use – you've got to think a turn ahead, haven't you? Because you've got to use that grab to pull people to where they don't want to be. Because they can't just leap in. They can't hit their gaze. They can pick the ball up once they pop the ball. But, and you've mm-hmm. got those, those two wrestlers who, you know, could definitely die early on. Um, yes. You've got the tools there. But you've got to think a bit more carefully about it. And that's why they're, like you, – you've correctly made them more like a lower tier two t- team where they can mm-hmm. do that. But you've got to think about it more, haven't you? Absolutely, you do. Um, you have to. They're they're much more reactive. Um, vampires and Slon have the ability to be proactive, um, as you mentioned. They can get in and use their leap and their gaze to start something. Apes have got to be reactive. So you really crucially got to decide when you throw a block and when you follow up, or when you throw a block and not follow up. You know who you want to separate. You've got to stay in front and just. You're basically forcing the other team to, um, lack of a better term, to expose themselves, basically. You know, maybe the, the runner has to run free. Um, maybe a, a block, they get the slow guys get tied up and they can't escort the ball carrier down the field. You've got to be very patient and look for your, look for your chance. Now, as they get developed, you will become a little more proactive. The, the, block, the uh, gorillas will become better blockers. The, um, you know, the chimps will you know, gain their tackle or their strip ball or whatever you want to do. And you'll have some bonobos, the, the un, unheralded stars of the team. You'll have some bonobos with some very key skills that will really help you. Uh, and the orangutan, too, we'll talk about. So after a while, you'll be more proactive. But, yeah, to begin with, you've got to be reactive and got to look for your shots. And like you said, Chance, the apes are always exposing themselves. So uh, that's – Yes, they are. <laughs> some of them wear pants, but that's, that's a practical concern, not a, not a modesty concern. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listeners, uh, Chance and I have uh, talked pretty extensively about the tactics of this team. And it's, it's a constantly evolving thing because they're such a new race. And, 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 mm-hmm. and that's what's great thing for you to see. People are coming up with new sorts of shit and new sorts of tactics. And, and we're, only, we're only just scraping the surface. A lot of the Blood Bowl teams mm-hmm. have been around for 30, 40 years now. Like, it's been a long yes. time the teams have been around. So the Simeon are, are still evolving. They're a young team and there's more tactics. <laughs> But we will take another quick break here, listeners. We talked about the tactics um, um, in pretty, pretty good depth here. We're going to take a break here, and then uh, we're going to come back and talk about um, league play for the Simeons, but also have a quick chat with Chance about the Iowa league scene. And I'm sure the London really <laughs> keen to hear about that. We'll see how it goes. All right, look forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Knuckle podcast, um, where Chance and I are going to dive into Simeon, 
in the leagues. But first of all, Chance and I are going to have, and I love this with my guests, who just get a real feel for where they're from <laughs> and, and you know, where what they do. And Chance has been playing. You've been playing Blood Bowl for a while, right, Chance? A little bit. Since uh, 2008, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah a, a good amount of time. <laughs> but yeah, um, to get a real feel for where they're from and what they do. So, Chance, just to give you a feeling for where we are, I mean, I now am pretty active on the London league scene and London is going from strength to strength. We've got two big leagues here now. Um, we've got the ECBBL, which is the oldest uh, league in London. And I, I don't want to do them foul by throwing out. <laughs> but they've been going for years probably decades, since the early 2000s, for sure. I think it's 2003, four that, that the ECBBL has been going on for. Really old league, like, been going on for a while. Then we've got the DBL, which is a, a league I'm also a part of. And we hit, uh, so they've been going since 2016, so when the new game came. I think 2015 and then 16 was when it really started to grow, when the new GW kind of hit the game and that came out. And we've had ridiculous growth in the DBL. Last season was 60 players, and we had to, we've got something called the... Wow. NBA, and it's crazy, isn't it? I mean... And <laughs> I'd be interested to hear how it's going in Iowa. We'll, we'll ask you about it in a sec. But in the DBL, 60 players last season, not just 60 players, but we also have the Underworld Union, which is um, it's a really good initiative, actually. It's what the DBL do for players who are really new to Blood Bowl. They're not quite, they're not quite sure they can commit to a league yet, and they just want to get used to the game. And there's usually about 10, 20 players playing in that. So we've got more like 70, 80 players in the league overall, but we've got another of these guys playing in the, in the, 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 the that league. And... I don't know because I'm not in the inner sanctum of the DBL, but I know that I'm pretty sure they're looking to develop to 70, 80 players. And, and actually, there's another league in the north of England, in Manchester, that's near 100 players, I think, now. But the DBL is looking, looking to animate that. So, I mean, what's, what's it like in Iowa now? Is Iowa at that sort of level, or how's it going? Oh, my gosh. How do I, how do I follow that, Thomas? That, that's, uh, that's cruel. Um, <laughs> so, we have a pretty, we've, so, I'm actually a pretty new blood bowl player here, here in the area. We've had people playing since first and second edition. Uh, Drew, for example, has played since the very beginning. Tim has been on the show. Um, so I crossed over when yeah, another Drew, game Drew that sounds I, played, like I got a, out of. Drew sounds pretty old. He sounds like he's been playing for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been there since the beginning. Um, so at our, we have two leagues. We have the Critical League, which runs through my, my store, Critical Hit Games. Uh, we have the Critical League. And then we also, in about 08 when I got in, a bunch of us played uh, the old game Hero Clicks. Well, it's not old. It still goes on. But we played that game for a long time. That ended locally. So we moved over to Blood Bowl. We began the Hawkeye League since Iowa is the Hawkeye State. Yeah. Um, so we have those two leagues going on now. Uh, both of them are in their 20-plus seasons. I think the Hawkeye just finished 24, and Critical is doing season 27, 28, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I mean, for a, you know, a small Midwestern state in the U.S., we think our, our, our uh, playership is pretty good. Uh, the Critical League at its highest has been 32 coaches. Uh, we have a rotating player base of probably close to 50 people. But here in the States, it's hard to get someone to play continuously year-round. Uh, they'll play a season, they'll take a season off. They'll play a season, they'll take a season off, that kind of thing. Um, so right now, I believe we're at 16 in the uh, Critical League and uh, 10 at the Hawkeye League, last count. Um, so, yeah, it, we come and go. But every time a new season starts, we send out, you know, 50 or 60 emails saying hey new league is starting who wants in and then we cobble together who wants to play that season so it's um it, it's been a lot of fun it's it's grown in the past it's shrunk a little bit now for obvious reasons um but again we're really happy with the uh, participation and we're always trying to get new coaches in and a personal point of pride you may have heard me talk about the show is anytime i can convince a magic player to join the blood bowl league <laughs> and right now i'm working on number three so that's we appreciate that 
Well, it's interesting you say that because actually I'm, I'm looking to start a brand new league in London soon. And we, and unfortunately, we were halted by the coronavirus. I was starting my, uh, my base. So obviously the podcast is called Talk Nuffle. It wasn't going to be called the Talk Nuffle League. It was going to be called the Rule Zero League because it's at the shop Rule Zero. And then a couple of my mates run this Rule Zero shop. But it's more like, um, it's more like a bar, a gaming bar, like pub. I mean, I know they nice. love me giving them a shout out, but they, that, that, their whole idea, the reason it's called Rule Zero is because they're Rule Zero, and we can swear on this podcast, Chance, so, and I hope you're not offended, but the reason, no, it's totally Zero, fine. <laughs> the reason they call it Rule Zero is because their Rule Zero is don't be a cunt, right? Don't be a cunt, don't be a dick. That's Very their good rule, rule Zero. Come here, like, just appreciate who you're around, um, and actually, you know, they have a lot of people coming in and just have a drink. It's not even just to play games, but they also do, you can play board games, you can play all sorts of bits, mm-hmm. but their main game is is magic and like you know the couple both the owners play magic and they love magic and and it's a game i would like to play like i don't want to play it really competitively but i'm, I'm good at competitive mm-hmm. games like once i get my head into it i can play it um so <laughs> i'm quite keen to play it with them just just because i've not played it but my goal now is to bring blood ball into their bar into their pub and like and they love it because whenever we bring blood ballers down and and we'll talk more about the league and leagues in a sec but but the dbl for definite, it's a much more a younger dynamic. So most of the DBL mm-hmm. players are probably sort of mid twenties to mid thirties kind of people. So starting, okay. to have, starting to have children, some haven't, but definitely heavier drinkers. Um, and like <laughs> having, having that fun side of blood bowl. Um, and uh, so you know, when we go, when we descend on rule zero with a forty player event, we'll drink through two, three hundred pounds worth of beer, easy. <laughs> it's, just, it's not even Which a contest. Must them, yeah. So, yeah, just just roll through them. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting you say that, like trying to convert magic players to, to, to blood bowl, because because that's what that's what I'm looking to do. And and it's a shame because we we were going to run our first rule zero league with we. I had eight people down. I was actually like eight people. Let's start. Let's get going. And then I was actually looking, and it's, it's questions I'm going to ask you now about your league, but mm-hmm. I was looking to use the, uh, the Games Workshop rolling league rules, because they actually have rolling league rules in, like where you, uh, you rebuy your players and, and they've got mm-hmm. a system in there. And, no, and as far as I know in London, no one's ever really done that. So I, I quite wanted to just experiment with a few guys, you know, play five, and do it really short. Like do five, six games and then re-roll them. Just, just see how it works, because why not? Mm-hmm. Have some fun, play some drinks. But... And I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but in Iowa, right, you guys do do a rolling league so you can bring teams back time and time again. Is that, that what you guys do in the leagues? Or? Yeah, we, <clears throat> we've been doing that for many years. We've always um, used the phrase eternal league. It's always mm. just the way we'd heard it. Um, yeah, we, some of us take, it, take a different approach to it, but all of us are kind of into the, uh, the fantasy football aspect of the game. Sometimes people don't talk about that. You know, you, you come up with your names and your, your player names and your history and you might have a lineman that's a brother of one of your blitzers and he got killed. So a new guy joins the league to avenge his family and that kind of thing. And I don't think you can really do that unless you have one of these eternal formats. Um, so yeah, we have long done that. We've had, I mean, I played that chaos renegade team for probably six seasons <laughs> until we yeah. finally won the, <laughs> won the cup. Um, so yeah, I enjoy that. I know some people don't, um, some people would be more about, you know, capping team value or bringing people, you know, bringing new teams in that kind of thing. And, that's a constant discussion between the commissioners and the players, but yeah, we've done eternal league um, for all the years I've played for sure for over a decade now. Yeah. It's interesting that you guys say that because, and I'll give you, this is purely um, information for you chance because listeners have heard me talk about <laughs> a couple of times, but um, when I okay. came back to the game in uh, 2016, um, I, uh, I literally, I was like, Oh great. Blood Bowl's back. And I bought a, hu- I bought the box. I got the human team. I was like, I love humans. And we talked about this already, like how much I love humans. They're just, they're just the epitome of Blood Bowl, how much, so much fun they are. Mm-hmm. And 
and how they epitomize it and everything. So I bought the human team, painted up a brand new human team. I call them the, uh, the Light Dwarf Love Cannons. That's what I call them. Because um, I just think that's just such a fun sort of cartoon <laughs> to call them. Um, and I, I painted them bright pink. They are the Love Cannons. They're the Light Dwarf Love Cannons. And uh, their captain is, uh, is Ivanette Lightdorf, who's a cousin of uh, Marius Lightdorf. The listeners who play Warhammer Fantasy or Age of Sigmar or play the Tale of War games, Marius Lightdorf is, uh, is one of the elect accounts of um, Av- Avalanche. Okay. So his cousin Ivan has started this Blood Bowl team, and Marius is like the, you know, the, the proprietor of the team, and he gives them all the money. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had, um, I had a, a, one of the Blitzers was called Terry the Hulk Hogan, Terry Hogan. And he was. That's I, right. And I actually like, like uh, converted a miniature who was like, you know, um, you know, like the, the human thrower who's doing that. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing for chance like a picture of the human thrower. <laughs> right now. He's doing terrible, a great job. Trust me. Terrible for radio. But I, but I basically converted him to be pointing like that and then have his arm up like, like the Hulk Hogan from, mm-hmm. from, from wrestling. So he was supposed to be Terry the Hulk. And I also, um, right. I also converted um, like, a, like a head scarf over his head, like a bright pink Nice. So the idea was that Ivanette was one of the uh, one of the blitzers who, and he was the guy who I gave frenzy to straight away. I was like, frenzy, if Ivan is going to be this crazy, supposed to be the captain sent by Marius to do it, but he's like nuts. He's not really cool. And then we've got the Hulk, who's like an old school guy who's come back in to actually beat the shit up. That, that was like my sure. <laughs> Anyway, I did all this, painted the team up, and I was all, I was ready to dive back into the blood bowl scene, and then. As and listeners know, as as happens when you're in the military, like shit can happen to you and stuff can happen. So in in March of uh, well, actually, I think February of 2017. So the game came out in 2016, ended that, then end of 2016, 2017 got posted to Canada. Um, not you know, it's not we're not like fighting Taliban here. We're not in the middle of the desert, <laughs> sure. Very like, weird. But I was just in, I was just in Canada, so I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to take my blood ball team. And I looked up, and uh, near the British base in uh, the middle of Alberta in Canada, there is a very small Blood Bowl League called the Medicine Hat Blood Bowl League. Really? Medicine. So, as you know, uh, Chance, Alberta is basically the Texas of Canada. It's like full of yes. redneck. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's a weird place. And Medicine Hat is, you know, definite redneck county. And I was, like, I was just not expecting it at all. But there's this Medicine Hat Blood Bowl League. And look them up later, chats. It's, it's, it's a tiny little league, really good bunch of guys. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email the commissioner and ask what's going on. He's like, oh, mate, we're starting a league uh, like two weeks after I was landing in, in, uh, in Canada. Come and join. I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm in. That's my, terrific. My first game was against David. And I don't know if he's listening to this podcast now, but against a guy called David. <laughs> And I was, I'll tell you, Chance, I was quite apprehensive. Like, I was like, I'm in the middle of Medicine Hat. You know, these guys are rednecks. Is this, is this like an bulls <laughs> have eyes kind of moment? Like, <laughs> what's, what's, what's going to happen here? And, and he was, and so David said, um, yeah, I'll pick you up, mate. I'll pick you up from the British base and I'll take you back to mine. And we'll play a game. And I was like, okay, am I going to make this like alive? Like, it was, <laughs> it, was like, it was like a real weird moment. Only if you lose. Yeah, no, exactly. Turns out David was, um, was an immigrant from Ireland, so from Britain. Um, and he's, uh, he, works, he works, well, works now for the Canadian police force. He's an Irish policeman, now a Canadian policeman. So obviously, like, a really stand-up guy, like, not a redneck at all, really nice guy. <laughs> up in his car. And he said, I had the same worries from my wife, because he was like, his wife was like, you're going to go and pick up, pick up some British squaddy from the British base and play blah, blah, blah. <laughs> What's this guy going to do? So it's, it's just funny we had this comparison. Anyway, so 
a long story short, you know, I played in this medicine hat blood ball league with my humans and, um, and, and I loved it. And, and I think we're, what I was, what I was asking you about these sort of rolling league chances, that's what the medicine hat guys do. So the medicine hat guys do, um, do a rolling league like you guys. They actually have a limit of six seasons. So you can run your team for six seasons. Then you have to retire it because they've like decided that's a little bit too far. And that's where you go. But yeah, my, my very first game in the medicine hat blood bowl league. So this is me coming back to blood bowl, been out for a while. <laughs> my 1000 TV humans, right? I played against 2,300, 400 TV dwarves. Oh like, yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be, this is going to be rough. But I'll, t- I'll tell you what I did chance. I'll tell you what I did. Um, we had the, uh, and do you guys use the, the old school cards where you got the 400 TV, the 200 TV cards where you can. We, we did up until uh, they began making the new cards and we slowly okay. over the course of a couple of seasons, we swapped over um, for a while. We did the old, then we mixed for a while. Then we slowly cut the old and we, we tried very hard to keep up with the rules and have very few house rules. Um, so yeah, the, the cards eventually we went over completely to the new, the new cards, but we did play those for a long time. So you like the new cards, do you? Uh, like might be a strong word, Thomas. Um, <laughs> I, I like some of them. Uh, the early typos, I just, I, I rate up over the coals early for that. Not they care. I mean, who am I? But, um, they've gotten better about that. Um, I like some of them and I like some of the more and more, the goblin cards that came out, for example, were really good. Um, it, it's a mixed bag, like all their new stuff. I think, uh, some of them have been interesting, but some of them have been kind of haphazard in the way they've been produced and put out. So we'll leave it at that. It's, it's like, again, we're, we're doing a segue within a segue, but, but like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we do on this podcast. But like, that's I, right. use the, um, I use the Kingmaker. Have you used the Kingmaker card yet? I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Kingmaker yep. card. So at, at this uh, Games Workshop Super Bowl event, the Bugman's Brawl, whatever it's called, I had the Kingmaker and I took Ogres to this event and I, I did all right, did okay. Um, but I had the Kingmaker card and as listeners will know, the Kingmaker card is basically you can... You play it, and you can, your player that you play it on can do anything he wants for the whole of the rest of his move, but then it's a turn. Yep. So with mm-hmm. Ogres, I, was play, I think I was playing Dark Elves. I was playing Dark Elves, yeah. So it was like, it was like one nil to him, and I was like, oh, I'm in a real pickle here, but I've got the Kingmaker card. So I played on one of my Ogres, and so obviously I dodged through his whole line, picked up yep. the ball, <laughs> moved up, <laughs> did 2 if I was like, oh, well, they're all successful. The Kingmaker card, ladies and gents, is... Everything you do with that player is successful. And I was like, with an ogre, right. it's just ridiculous. So there's a couple of cards <laughs> like that that are stupid, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. But anyway, in, in the Medicine Hat League, we still use the old cards. So against this dwarf guy, there's 200. He, he was well over 2,000 TV, right? And I had a, I had a 1,000 TV human team. But I took a 400. I'm sure I took a 400 TV card. Yeah, I did. I took a 400 TV card, a 200 TV card. And then I took... Morg, I'm Thorg, as the listeners know, I'm synonymous with. Big Bertha, so you're already getting the, the synonyms with So I had Big Bertha, I had Morg, and I had a human ogre, right? So I had three big dudes. Then I mm-hmm. threw the 400 TV card that was, you have no rerolls. It was like you roll for your rerolls. And with- <laughs> the dwarf guy had no rerolls. And then I got the 200 TV card that was of the groundsman, which was a free death roller back on behind you. Yep. So this, this poor dwarf guy, he had all the guard in the world, right? He had loads of guard, like all the dwarves. But I had, I had a death roller, Bertha, Morg, and an ogre, and he had no, no re-rolls. And he was like, shit, what the hell do I do? And, the, and 
And I think a lot of the listeners who listen now in the London environment are worried about these rolling leagues. And that's why I'm telling the story really, Chance, is because yeah. there's a lot of worry when you have these extra cards and these extra things that can do stuff that actually balance it out. Like people play these kind of leagues and, and they have fun, right? You guys have fun in Iowa yeah. playing this alternative. And, and that's where I'm going with it, Chance. I've gone on a massive segue of a segue. But <laughs> you brought it back around. <laughs> I brought it back around. I brought it back around. So you guys have fun, right, with, with the rolling leagues. And it, it's a different blood bowl, but it's fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the main concern, and I'm sure this is the concern that your listeners have, is that a new coach is going to come in like you did and sit down against a giant monster team. Um, and the way that league limits, limits it to six seasons, that's one way to handle it. You know, as a commissioner, you can manipulate the um, schedule as well, too, where we try to have the newer coaches play each other the first couple of weeks to try to get their legs under them a little bit. Or at the very least, if they're playing against one of the bigger teams, that one of the commissioners will be there to help out. Um, you, you do everything you can to make sure that the new coach has a pleasant experience without tampering with the competitive balance of the league. I mean, you can't throw games. You can't, you know, guarantee they win, that kind of thing. Uh, but you want to be sure they see the light at the end of the tunnel, that if you take your lumps, some teams are going <laughs> to roll you over and you're going to lose some players, but they will develop. The ones that survive will be stronger. You will eventually get bigger and become one of those teams. And the big teams don't stay around forever. My, my six-season Chaos Renegade team is really the exception. Um, three seasons is usually the limit. Um, and let's be honest, I basically just kept playing them until I won the title. And once I won the title, they, they rode off into the sunset. Um, so we very rarely play teams more than three seasons because there's so many great teams to play. There's so much variety that people want to jump around. So I definitely appreciate the concerns that people might have using an eternal or, or a rolling league. But there are ways as a commissioner that aren't too difficult to ensure you can let players that want to role play a long time with a team do so but also welcome new players and make sure they don't have a bad experience. You can, you can do both. Because that's the thing. Pe people get bored, don't they? You want to play a new team. Yes. Like, that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. It tends to go. Like, you, and you're not going to get millions and millions of advantages from carrying on. If you're a really good player, like, there's enough things built in. You, and you just want to play other teams. Blood Bowl is such a fantastic, diverse game. Mm -hmm. You want to go and play those teams. That's what you want to do, right? So yep. Absolutely. And, you, and eventually you'll come back to the old teams you played and you'll play them differently. I'm gearing up, hopefully, in a season or two to play the so-called fast orc variety, where you play uh, orcs, orcs. With no black orcs, no troll. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just a fun kind of silly thing. You can even find ways to make it more challenging for you that aren't really even in the rules. It has that much flexibility, for sure. Uh, I'd agree, Chance. And thank you for, for saying that, because a lot of people have had concerns, and it's good that you, know, you fully endorse that there are other ways out there. And, and I think, um, I think uh, Eternal Resurrection Leagues, where you just start again, is a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just like that there's a bit of diversity and there are other options out there. So it's great to hear that you guys are doing that. And, it, and it's working. It's great. Because I've done it. And you know, people don't believe me in England because we just don't do it. <laughs> In London, we don't do it. People don't play Resurrection Leagues. Uh, sorry, not Resurrection, like long-standing leagues. It's just not something right. that's done. So, um, so it's, and, and I know in America, it's, it's pretty, that's the norm. Like that's what you guys do in America. Um, and it's lots of Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. Um, so we're about to dive, ladies and gents, into the uh, the players and how to um, how to develop them in a league environment. But um, I, I think I'll just touch very quickly on um, you know, getting Simeon into your league, Chance, because I've been <laughs> having a long-standing campaign with uh, my league commissioners, and I've been joking about it. And um, you know, I think they're lots of fun, and I don't, I don't think they break the game. And, and I think that's my biggest, my biggest argument is that if you want to use them and um, you think they're fun for the fluff, they don't break the game, so why not? And, you know, the argument back has been, you know, has been things like that. Like, they're worried they're going to break the game. Or, 
they think, you know, they're not an official team. And those are the, the general arguments that come back. And, and obviously, that, 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 you can't compete against that. If they only want to use official teams, fine. Like, you, you can't compete against that, can you? But. I, I can, actually. I have a response to that. So, you're right. Those are the two biggest things. I mean, I'll be honest. All we usually hear at the show are people putting them in their leagues or their tournaments and enjoying them. I mean, that's, that's the kind of game Blood Bowl is. You get so much more feedback on the positive things, and whereas a lot of other games, all you hear about is the negative, the complaints, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, with the Simeon, people worried about, well, they're not official. That, that's valid. Um, and, you know, there are probably thousands, if not millions, of fan-created teams and rosters out there. You know, what makes these guys different? You know, why, why should we allow them and not, you know, Squigs and Necrons and, you know, whatever? So I, I, I handle the response to there twofold. One, as far as breaking the game is concerned, one of the biggest um, positives for the development of the Simeon was getting Fumble's uh, cooperation to get them in the league play. That, I mean, because we had had hundreds of games on tabletop worldwide. People were responding to us and um, sending us data from their league, how they were doing. We were doing our own league testing. And then Fumble, Christopher was just amazing. Everybody at Fumble, you know, we got thousands of games of data within a few months uh, immediately against all races, every race in Blood Bowl. You know, and now we're getting them against Corn and Bretonian and that kind of thing, just in a league setting. So it's entirely optional. And so they have come out at about that 45%, 50% win rate, um, at least in that data. And again, is, is that all telling? No. But thousands of games of data is statistically viable against a variety of coaches, a variety of teams, a variety of um, uh, team levels. Um, and they have shown to be not broken. In fact, they're probably a little too bad. I mean, they probably could be pumped up just a bit. You know, and that was our goal. And so that's, that's clearly just, – you just say, if you're worried about the breaking of them, refer to the data. We have a clear, uh, openly available data source out there in Fumble. You can look at the teams there and track the data – and in my opinion, that, that kind of counters that argument of being broken. Now, the thing about them being official, that's legitimate. You can't – I mean, a team is either Games Workshop official or it's not, and these are not. That, that's clear. What I would say is – you may have heard me talk about this on my podcast. They are the only team that has been brought up in an interview by Games Workshop um, employees, game designers, unasked. Both down had the, uh, the, the, the Blood Bowl designers on their show, and they were discussing – and the Simeon were not brought up. Blood Bowl, uh, both down did not mention them. And they got around to the Bretonian and the Corn. And Games Workshop designers, unasked, un unprompted, talked about how they had no plans to bring the Corn, the Bretonians, or the Simeon into Blood Bowl. I mean, they unsolicited, they brought them up. So I, the way I kind of refer to that is they are the world's most official, unofficial Blood Bowl team. And that was the, that was the proof right there. The Games Workshop is aware of them. And before even being asked about them, they wanted to be sure we knew they were not going to bring them into Blood Bowl proper, which to me, that, that's all I could ask for right there. That, that was the dream uh, when they brought them up. So, again, that does not make them official, but you could at least say, hey, Games Workshop's aware of them, and they made it, made it clear to tell us, un, unprompted, that they're not bringing them in. So you can't get more officially unofficial than that. That's, that's where I would go. That is a perfect, <laughs> perfect something. I mean, an actually interesting chance um, – you know, things like the Slan are, are not games that are official at the moment. Um, that is such nonsense. <laughs> Sorry, that's a sore spot. I'm going to make you angry now. Uh, it's just, it's just to me, um, for all the good Games Workshop does, they still, there's still this feeling, this, this sheen of this sort of haphazard approach to what they're doing. There's not a world building. There's not a long-term plan 
Hmm. And they repeatedly do these things in my mind. And I know this is not true, what I'm about to, what I'm about to imagine here. But I imagine they have these meetings and they just throw these ideas out and everything gets approved. Like, I just, I don't see like an overall direction. And this whole idea of we're going to replace Slon with Kislev makes no sense to me. Yeah, they tried to explain bullshit. it with, yeah. what's that? Bullshit. I, exactly. Thank you. That's, that's, that's exactly right. I just, first of all, Russian acrobats are boring and frog creatures are fun. You know, we already have like rat creatures and goat creatures and, you know, all these things. And you're going to take a frog team away and make them Russian acrobats. But then you don't push it even further and make them a real circus team. You know, you could have acrobats and jugglers and fire breathers. And now, granted, that's not really Russian. I know we're, we're dealing with old Warhammer World kind of thing. And Kislev is the Russian equivalent and that sort of thing. But And then the the bear, the, the, the crocs of bear with the chain on the leg is Crocs, just – they're bending over backwards to explain that, that a bear could somehow, like, grab your leg with its chain and knock you – it's just – it was such garbage and such, like – end around and you're thinking okay they're they're bending themselves in pretzels so they can sell miniatures right it, it's got to come down to their business they make money right i mean that's got to be where it's coming from and yet do we have a kislev team no do we have any 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 product we can give them money for and buy no i mean they were on the cyanide game but it's just that whole thing is just so ridiculous and i'm not a big slon fan don't get me wrong I'm not, I'm not the world's biggest slon player but they got a real raw deal and games workshop to me still has not explained why they would sub them out for the Kislev. We in our local leagues, for what, what small amount of protest this is worth, we allow them both. I mean, what's the point? Why, why keep one out? They're the exact same team. It's so ridiculous. I'd love to hear Games Workshop try to continue to explain that away. It makes no sense to me. But there you go. Tie right over. <laughs> no, no, I would fully agree. And it's, it's, it's just like the kind of whole Games Workshop slam thing is just mental because Blood Bowl is unashamedly – it's not it's – not, it's not the same old world as Warhammer Fantasy. And, you know, and Games right. Workshop have now, Games Workshop have drawn that line. They've gone, they've gone Age of Sigmar, fine. Like, I've I played Age of Sigmar. I, I captained Team Wales for a while and, and had great fun with it. And Age of Sigmar, Age of Sigmar was a really good game early on. It's now, it's now terrible. Like, and I'd say that outright. It's a shit game now. They've, they've gone too far. It's like 40K. And they brought a new 40K. I don't know how that is. But the current Age of Sigmar, I personally don't like the game. I think it's gone too far. It just makes no sense. But early on, First two, three years, I love the game. Really good fun. But, but unashamedly, Blood Bowl is like a, an alternative old world universe. The whole point of the game is it's not the old world. You, know, you, don't, you don't have Tyrion in Blood Bowl. You don't have Teclis in Blood Bowl. You don't have um, you know, Mazamundi, these, these great old fantasy players. The whole point is, is it's, like, it's like the old world, but it's fluff-wise alternative. So you use mm-hmm. sports instead of war. Like, and it's, it's, that's mm-hmm. fun. Like, it's, you know, me and you, Charles, we love it. I mean, I'm a soldier and I, I, love <laughs> the, I, I love the idea of sport as like an alternative to like solving your disputes. It's fucking great. It's awesome. Yeah. And that's the whole point. And, and they could have done that. They could have said that with the slam. They could have gone, you know what? We're going to be unashamed about this. We're going we're gonna to embrace slam. We're going to say these are not the big fat frog slam guys that you know and love if you're a fantasy guy. These are the young slan and, you know, what has been traditionally the slan. And they could have done that. And they would have, like, no one would have cared. <laughs> like, no one would have cared. Yeah. But the Absolutely. reason they've done what they've done is they, they I, I'm assuming that they think that they want to bring across, like, eight, like and that's fine, like, young kids, people who, who don't necessarily, haven't played Bob for a while, who, who understand what the old slan are. Because that's what they've got in the spike. And that's the one spike magazine chance that I don't like is the Lizardman one, where they, 
they actually they basically confirmed our suspicions that Slan are not coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but and I I kind of get it because they want kids who played with the big fat frog Slan to come and play Blood Bowl. That I kind of get, but I I also just don't think that they will. I think that they're appealing to a different yep. demographic, and I think that they've fucked that up. I just think that they need to. They need to reevaluate that, and they, they haven't got as much money in playtesting into bubble as they have in fantasy, and they should just embrace the fact that they've got, you know, the World Cup this year, you went chance. I actually had to work. I was supposed to go. It's a shame we didn't get to meet. Oh. I was supposed <laughs> to go. I was down to go, but I, I got put on a course by my brigadier that I had to go to, um, but, um, and my team were there. But, uh, but at the World Cup, they went over a, you know, and, and we talked about the, don't worry, Chance. We talked about the World Cup and it's, it's goods and bads. And there were some really good <laughs> and there were yeah. some really bad. Um, yeah. There were some really goods. There were some really goods. But, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, there were, well, you know, what were there 1,500 people at this World yeah. Cup? There, there were a All lot of people world. who play bubble. Yeah. There were a lot of people. Appeal to those guys and girls and they'll fucking buy the stuff. And I think that's, games watching, just not quite there. They'll get there, but they're just not quite with that. I could not agree more. Uh, you talked about it really seems like they want to connect Warhammer and Blood Bowl and not be super obvious about it because they want it to be a gateway. And, and if they're going to treat Blood Bowl and the other specialist games as a gateway into Sigmar and into 40K, I think that's a, that's a tactical error. I totally agree with you. You know, we talked about converting Magic players or other gamers. I can get them to play Blood Bowl. I will never get them to play 40K. The, the, the package of entry to that game, if you love miniatures – you're in. I have, a, I have a thriving uh, 40K group that meets in my shop once a week, pre-pandemic times. Um, but, you know, I would never get card gamers or magic players or other game board gamers to play 40K. It is massively daunting. However, with Blood Bowl, you've got the football aspect. You've got kind of cartoony violence. You can play in a league. Games don't take seven hours. Um, you know, I can get them into that. And I, I agree with you absolutely 100% that Games Workshop is making a huge tactical error if they think the real value of a specialist game is in a gateway to 40K. Yeah. You know, they not, should emphasize – go ahead. I was going to say, we are not a gateway drug. We are not a gateway drug. Yeah, we're the drug. We're the closing drug. We're the end-all drug, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I, I completely agree. That's a mistake. Um, and that slot, I think, is a real victim to that. If they were worried about people not seeing the difference between, like, the big, fat slon lords and these, these agile, skinny players – you could easily just, you know, change the Croxagore into a big flat slon guy and change him slightly if you want. Um, you know, really put into the fluff that these are the young, like, you know, the, the polywogs or the tadpole, the spawn, and they will eventually grow up into those lords, the one that survives, right? And that Blood Bowl is used to test how strong they are. You, you could have easily enriched the game with a minimal amount of work and made that happen instead of just, oh, well, they're not giant slon from, Fort, from Warhammer, so we're cutting them. They're Russian acrobats now. Like, all the work they went into making them Russian acrobats and making the chain bear for miniatures they're not going to make, I think I'd have easily done that to make Slon work. I just think it was just a, a real uh, real dumpster fire start to finish. Still not as bad as the goblins, though. We're not going to get into that, but still not <laughs> as bad as the goblins. <laughs> I feel like I want to – we haven't done the race review of the goblins yet. I feel like you need to come back on and talk about that because I feel like that, that's the kind of word I'd be happy to. Open. That's the kind of word – As much as I love the Simeon – yeah, I, I'm sorry. I cut you off there. What was that? I said that's the kind of worms that needs to be opened, I think. <laughs> I, I, I'm all in. As much as I love the Simeon, being a part of the team certainly wasn't me. There was there were six of us at least that, that got that team going. 
Goblins are my all-time favorite team, and they always will be, despite their many problems. So, yeah, an- another show, another time, for sure. Let's do it. Right, so, um, but Chance, we, we've segued, which I love. <laughs> but let's, yes. let's talk about the Simeons in a league environment. We're going to talk, listeners, yes. about um, how to develop your Simeon players, because and a lot of guys and girls won't know how to do that, and that's great, because they're... And, and, and I think I'd, I'd say straight, up, straight off the bat that don't take what we're going to say now for gospel at all because we love that people are going to experiment and it's such a really cool new team. But let's give them some pointers, Chance, about how to develop mm-hmm. this So let's go, for a start, to the Bonobos. What you hate, I know you hate them being called the Line Apes, but the Line... <laughs> You can't call them well, line men. You can't call them line men. So it's going to be the line apes. The no, no, line apes. Line apes is acceptable. It's just like line elves or line dwarves. Line apes is acceptable. Yeah, but Bonobo is their proper title. The line apes. <laughs> just, just to remind you, ladies and gents, they're 6337 extra arms and general access. So, so how the vote? And I see these guys, Chance, um, us as American football fans, as a kind, of, a kind of tight ends sort of positional. Like, my favorite way to develop these guys is a, is a block tackle you know, Fen Frenzy types of positionals, like a real tight end type of player. What, what do you think about these guys? Uh, I, I think block, there, there's that block wrestle um, argument right at the beginning. Any team that wants to create space like Simeon or like Slot or like Skaven, um, you could go worse than a couple more wrestle. <clears throat> you know, the Bretonians also have shown that, you know, four starting wrestle is really good. With the Simeon, you get two. If you want to wrestle one or two of your line apes, I can't argue there. Um, but block is also obviously the other contender. Tackle is good, maybe one or two. I really like a frenzy, and this is not something that I thought about when we developed the team. This is going to be the first of many times when I talk about how the community has stepped up and provided what is kind of like the rule book yeah. of Simeon now. Grab- Someone very immediately on fumble. Yeah, talked about grab frenzy. Yeah. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because all the other players have the grab. You have a, you know, you are going to have a lot of success moving people towards the sideline, but maybe not finishing that last, that last little bit, that last few few feet or a few meters, you know, to send a player into the welcoming arms of the, uh, the crowd. Right. And you know, I don't, in my opinion, you don't want to frenzy the uh, chimps very soon because tackles way better strip ball dodge, for example, but the line apes, the first one that goes block and then second skill, I like frenzy very soon because you're going to finish off those, those grab chain uh, surfs right at the end, you know, and you might have a couple guard gorillas, or even if you don't, you're going to have a player free for the assist. Because, again, with Frenzy, the rule is you always assume the first one's a push. You always assume that's going to happen. Oh, it's not an assumption. It will be. It will be. Oh, it will be, yeah. (laughs) If it's not double skulls, yeah, for sure. Double pushes. Um, But, yeah, a Frenzy line ape just really completes that ability of you to finish those surfs and get those uh, those precious uh, player advantages. So, yeah, the block wrestle, you decide. But the first guy that blocks, I think uh, Frenzy is immediately after, and you will not be sorry. Yeah, I think I'd fully agree with that. A friends, frenzy lineup, and we'll talk about um because I listen, I did listen, I listened to Chance's podcast later. Today, so if you you've heard that before, <laughs> um, I listened to your tournament one about how a frenzy bonobo in a tournament build is really really cool. We'll talk about that more in the tournament mm-hmm. section. Um, but frenzy yeah. is crucial, crucial with that crowd. Um, mm-hmm. one thing about the other couple of sort of ideas I have for bonobos is um first of all like a, a kind of dirty eight. Like straight off the bat, like taking that dirty player early, and then, yep. and then like wrestle is good because you can either bring them down or foul them. But really mm-hmm. putting that that extra arm in that, that not a foot, not a kick, <laughs> an extra arm on that guy's face to take him off. I mean, and, and it, once you definitely once you got twelve, thirteen players on your roster, that dirty eight's gonna gonna bring that benefit, isn't it? 
I absolutely agree. Uh, fouling is an underappreciated aspect of the team, which is weird because it does thematically fit. Um, but yeah, you need to, with the grab, you can pull people into a bad position for them. Uh, fouling should be a thing. You should probably have 13 or 14 players because they are a little fragile on that end. Um, and you're almost always going to be fouling a higher priority target than a 50K Bonobo with your player. I totally agree. On the line, your third or fourth bonobo that skills up, or maybe sooner if you enjoy a good boot. Who doesn't? Um, yeah, dirty players terrific <laughs> for sure. A dirty, dirty extra arm for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you yep. think about um, finally before we move on to the throw orangutan, which I think will be mm-hmm. the next player we'll talk about? Um, do you think um, is this where you might put kick? If you're going to put pick, kick on this team, would he go on a bonobo or would he go on another player? I if you, I find the team uh, fluid enough that I haven't really prioritized kick um, on on this team. And there's an argument to be made that if you're going to do it, it might be a late chimp skill, which I know is strange, but they're always going to be in that mid zone. <clears throat> they're always going to be in that area where, yeah, because of the, the weird blocking nature of the team, the Bonobos are going to be more in the mix a little more. Um, but I, there's certainly, like you said, you got to be flexible. There's no right answer here. You can certainly do kick. Um, and as far as doubles is concerned, if you've already got like a block frenzy, I think dodge is a natural kind of protective skill. But before that, I know this is the chalk pick, but guard. You can't overestimate guard. It's just so good. You have so many uh, two-die blocks you want to throw and grab people around that a guarding Bonobo to kind of get in the middle there is pretty good too. Um, again, a narrow list of options, but uh, some very key ones for your, what is essentially your line position. Yeah. And you don't, listeners, you don't want to set up a two-die block, right? It's got to be a three-die block. Three-die block is what you Oh, for sure. <laughs> if you can get three-die, if you can deal three, why throw two? Throw three. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, yeah Let, let's move on to the throw ragatang and it's, mm-hmm. it's weird it's, it's one of my favorite players i actually feel like listeners if i was going to build a really super competitive uh ape team simian team um throw ragatang is he's really good but he's he's like an afterthought he's like he's a player you build in you can build him in really interesting ways but we'll talk about listeners about my preferred tournament build later on and i i don't really include this guy because i think i think he brings some cool shit but he's not necessarily mm-hmm you know, the, the absolute must take. But don't take that with a pinch of salt because as we said at the start of this, <laughs> go, go guys and girls, go and have fun and, you know, bring what you want and, and, and make, that, make that make sense. But for me, yeah, I mean, the throw orangutan, that's the thing, that's the thing I struggle with, Chance, because he's, he's my Mahomes. He's my, like, you know, he's my, uh, my quarterback, my receiver mm-hmm. as well. Like, and, and Mahomes could do that. Like, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. <laughs> sure. He could do both if he wanted to. But he's, he, you know, the ultimate quarterback. This is a throw orangutan. He, he's going to, he's got strong arms straight off the bat. So he's, and he's got, he's got a two plus pickup as well. So he's going to want to get things like, I mean, I think that accurate and pass are obviously really good. And then sure hands is a later skill. I think some, some people might want the reliability of sure hands early on. But, um, but for me personally, I think I'd probably go pass and then accurate and then short hands. But I, I don't know how you feel like you, you'd skill this guy up. I think the, the, the pass accurate debate, I prefer pass. I think statistically, you know, you'd rather roll, you know, you'd rather have the re-roll on the three than you would um, just a two with no re-roll. The orangutan, people have had a lot of uh, differing opinions on what to do with this player. And this is, again, the community has stepped up, fumble especially. The throw orangutans are that player that ostensibly they are the thrower, but if a key double or a boost happens in the first skill or two, I've had people swear by effectively switching their position. For example, uh, eight armor, you talked about earlier, the eight armor. If they get a doubles on their first one or two skill, assume you take block for the first skill, which I know is not a throwing skill, it's kind of general. 
But if you get doubles for guard, I'm going to go back to that again. They effectively then move right to the line. They become another line player. And the other thrower, thrower pardon me, become, the thrower main tank becomes your thrower. So, again, people have talked about diversifying them quite a great deal uh, because of that extra armor to give the gorillas kind of that muscly, you know, assistance up front. So you may want to, and you may want to see how they go. Um, it, obviously, a strength boost, they immediately become, you know, they become a, a, a sub-gorilla, basically. Uh, but, yeah, if you're going to go uh, a straight thrower, I do like pass before accurate. It's boring, but I like block, again, because the, the team really is desperate for uh, an amount of quality blocks. And that throw rod, you're going to throw blocks with it. Um, so I like that a lot. The strong arm is good. The pass works well with strong arm. You're effectively never throwing a quick pass at that point. I mean, as well, just keep that distance. And when all your quote-unquote receivers are catching for twos, you want to spread the field air, field out like that. So I like pass over accurate. I also think dump off is underrated. Um, again, it's not as good because you don't have nerves. You don't have accurate. You got to do some, some work on that. But you do have a lot of players that will catch on twos. If you've taken pass, you can re-roll it. And I find that, you know, again, you're going to have games where you get out-muscled and they're going to get shots on your guy that you don't want to see. If you're not going to try to convert a two-turn throwing lengthy touchdown, you're going to run for a while. You're going to be a power running team for as long as you can. And that dump off is just a really nice kind of insurance policy, much like uh, the Kimry taking it. You may not complete the pass, but you can control where the fumble goes. Um, so I, I like all those. But, yeah, you really want to look for that doubles and that positional switch for them. People online have talked about that, and I really enjoy that. You know, one doubles for block guard supports your gorillas so incredibly well, and you still have a throw orangutan to run the ball. So uh, look for that. Yeah, and, he, and it's interesting. He's, the, he's literally, well, apart from the Bonobos, he's the one kind of line eight that doesn't have that agility like the, like the chimpanzees or the gorillas. <laughs> he's not mm -hmm. got that, that innate agility skills that, you know, brings it to it. So... He, he can't quite do the same as the gorillas because the gorillas have got that mm -hmm. added stuff. If he gets that strength ball, he can, he can totally stand up there and do it. But he can also oh, yeah. play with the quarterback thing. So he's, he's a bit like a high elf thrower. He can sit, he can sit quite mm -hmm. deep. He's got all those receivers with a two plus hatch, which is yes. you know, like the high elves. And, and if he gets the right skills, I kind of see him like that as more like, as, as like a high elf thrower. You can build him very much like that. Where he can get, like you said, that pass. He can get that accurate. You know, you can even go safe throw if you want. We don't talk about that. He could go safe throw. Mm -hmm. I mean, people, I, I actually had a little Google chance on a couple of, probably one of some of the teams you guys were playing in, in your league. <laughs> and a lot of guys were taking with short hands. And is I don't know if that's cause just because of that extra arms, you can run in and pick it up, I guess, and throw it away. Yeah, especially because that, that play where you do spring the ball out, it's not just to receive a kick, but if you're playing him on defense <clears throat> and you get a chance to go get the ball, that has got to work. It's like Skaven. You get a chance to get that ball. You've got to get it away with the gutter runners. Otherwise, you're, you're leaving your entire team based, and they're just going to have all these quality blocks. The Simeon are the same way. So, yeah, sure hands, you know, in one tackle zone, a three with extra arms, it's invaluable. And uh, the team is kind of reroll hungry to begin with, too. So I can't argue with picking a reroll skill when you're probably only going to have three and you're throwing all these two-die blocks with no block. Um, so, yeah, sure hands is just a quality choice, top five skill easily. With that extra arms, it's super, super good. Yes, super yeah. good. The throw orangutans, they're really cool. They're your quarterback. They're going to be the Mahomes, and that's why I'd take them definitely mm -hmm. the team. But, uh, but that's, that's probably a, an American football choice rather than a Simeon choice. <laughs> sure, big skill, probably is. I'd definitely look at these guys. The chimpanzees, we're going to talk about chance. 
you know, they're effectively your, your simian runners. That's, that's kind of what they are. Like, just to mm-hmm. remind listeners, they're, they're a 7337 extra arms wrestle player with general and agility access. I mean, I think there's a couple of ways to go with them. You can either go for a, like a full-on safety or like more of a hitter, a blitzer. And, like, and the full-on safety is probably the best way because you've only got two. That's the best way to develop them. And I think, I mean, would you disagree, Chance? My very first skill with most of these guys is I've got to take dodge. They've got wrestle and dodge, and that just, that just keeps them alive and keeps them a bit mm-hmm. mobile, right? That dodge is yeah. such a good skill. You can't go wrong there. That um, you they've got to survive. You you do very badly when they get hurt or removed, and so wrestle dodge is good. Um, people think about tackle and wrestle being very good at bringing people down. It is good, but wrestle already does a lot of that job. Whereas you have nothing that does dodge's job. Uh, so yeah, dodge is first. Can't go wrong there, and it keeps every other development avenue open with dodge. So yeah, it's a quality first pick. Yeah, with the, with the safety, I'm like get dodge, get him, get him safe. He's not going to die. Um, but he can still wrestle people, and also with the with the agility three, it's not it's not. Ter- I mean, you know, Amazons have got agility three and dodge, and they're immense. So you know, <laughs> you've got a couple yeah. of guys. <laughs> it's really good. And then and then I'm looking at with the safety guy, definitely your tackles, strip ball, um, things like sidestep as well. And when you start developing the chimps down the line, sidestep is really really good. Diving tackle, like you said, chance was was also a really really good choice on these guys, wasn't it? I like diving tackle, uh, you, especially in a league setting. You're going to look at your makeup. If you're going to play a lot of elves and Skaven, diving tackle is terrific. Um, I also like jump up. It goes very well with the, um, the wrestle uh, so that you always have that seven movement. I mean, on a team of four and six movements, seven is king. So with jump up, unless he's broken, of course, you're always going to have seven move. And, of course, it also shows a jump up block, too. I think jump up is underrated. Um, I could see even doing it, you know, dodge, tackle, jump up, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of people do like sidestep. I'm a little cool on it because it requires you to get hit to use. Um, I, I like sure feet. If you get to that point, I like sure feet because now you're making him a de facto nine mover, which again, always plays into that ball sacking job. To me, like that's, that's their mob. That's always where you want to go. Um, and kind of a dark horse pick. A lot of people have given me feedback. They like block. I mean, he has wrestle. You, you could commit a skill later on to block. Makes him a better ball carrier because that was one of the, the hits on the team earlier was that you're given these – they thought they were runners. You're giving them wrestle. They can't carry the ball because you're going to get wrestled and cough the ball up. So you take block to kind of shore that up and make him go both ways. I don't care for it that much, but I want to throw that in there because people have uh, really appreciated that. But, yeah, I like dodge, dodge, tackle, sure feet, jump up, some kind, of, some kind of that combo. And if you're fortunate enough to have two that get to three or four skills, you're, you're living the high life, my friend. It's going, it's going well. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, that's the experience I had chance. I took them in a recent um, Fumble League with, with the Dragon Ball League guys, the 60-player league. And my chimps just get fucking dying. Like, because people target yeah. them. They will target them. These are the guys. I mean, the fact that you put, and I was going to talk about jump up, you know, um, rep, like witches have jump up, right? And witches are one of the very best players in Blood Bowl. So the fact that yes. you put, put these guys in the same breadth as them, and I, and I do, like, when you're playing Simeon, people are going to try and foul these guys. They're going to try and kill these guys, just like witches. And jump up is, is phenomenal on witches, and people underestimate it because it's, it's so good with that move seven. You can move around. You can go and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, you, and, and I was going to – you kind of jumped the gun chance. I was going to ask you about block because that's what, for me, actually, weirdly on a tournament build, maybe we'll go into that in a bit, but I, I quite like block as a choice of one of my chimps there because he's got the wrestle. He can hit shit. But you can also mm-hmm. hold the ball, and and it's always wrestles almost a weakness on your best your best ball carrier, right? <laughs> so, on offense, yes, it is. 
So taking block is, is really good. And once you, get a, once you get just a few blocking bonobos, in my opinion, the chimps stop carrying the ball on offense, in my opinion. They're just so much better at doing other things. They're going to clear space. They kind of become your blitzers in that way because they're the safest uh, blitz you can throw. But a, a blocking bonobo is only one, you know, one movement shorter than a chimp, picks up for the same two. And if you're protecting him well enough, he's going to get the job done. So, again, like the throw rods positional can change with a certain skill, the chimps – efficacy i think changes based on the development of the team because they are clearly your best player and the best player of every team changes roles that you know suit that team's needs at the time and are you gonna are you gonna always use the chimps as a safety because i kind of i kind of see these guys as maybe also being being your traditional blitzer and and if you're going to go down that route you you could you could take things like frenzy and if you roll doubles you could take things like mighty blow but do you think other players in the team are better suited for that I think blitzer and safety are, are, more, are closer than people think. I think really it just depends on do you have the ball or not. If they have the ball, he's a safety. If you have the ball, he's a blitzer. Uh, the way I look at it, mighty blow is a doubles. I mean, let's face it, I love me some mighty blow. That's never been a problem for me to take that <laughs> skill. Um, I just – yeah, I mean, I, I would do it that way. I, just, I really like the, the ball hawking aspect of him as he was designed. You know, we haven't talked about leap. Leap is a thing that you could theoretically try to play to crack cages um, to be more uh, proactive in that regard. I think they're so flexible and so few teams have that sort of player. The Salon Blitzer, I think, is, the, is one of the close, closest equivalents. But because he has, general, he has strength access, people will go, you know, mighty blow, pile on, that kind of thing. And the champ can't do that. So you've really got to make your shots count. So, yeah, you're going to use him to blitz a lot because he is your safest block to throw when the team begins. He's the only wrestle or block you have in the entire team so you're going to throw blitzes with him for sure he's absolutely going to do that but i don't think being the best blitzer on the team makes him a blitzer in my opinion and i think the safety skills you're going to give him will also make him do his blitzing job well so you can have you know you can have your cake and eat it too there um and if you get guard if you get doubles sure put my blow on him that's fun yeah i can't argue with that um if your league allows it i would consider piling on because he has access to the jump up and, you know, there's a school of thought that says you'd rather have the armor re-roll than a plus one. So, you know, your mileage may vary there. You, you can have some options for sure. But you're going to be throwing blitzes with him regardless of what you do with him. So he kind of becomes a blitzer. But I think you're selling him short if you don't make him one of the best ball hawking safeties in the game for sure. And just listeners, for um, because this is going to go out to the Underworld Union guys probably, of what chance is talking <laughs> about with, with piling on. Um, the Games Workshop way of, either using a re-roll or, or, or bits and balls with piling on. That's uh, actually just this season chance. So this is 2019 after the first three seasons. The DBL have confirmed that we're going to use the old school version of piling on. Which is Yay! Important. Yay, Woo! exactly. And Woo! that's what we like. You don't have to use right it. Right move. So piling on is just use it as a re-roll on either the armor or the injury. And in order to do it, listeners, you have to put your player prone next to the player. So you have to, you have to put him prone. So that, that, there's, a, you know, there's a payoff, which is what I think. There's a drawback, yeah. Yeah, it's a drawback. Um, but you don't have to use a reroll, any shit like that. DBR has confirmed that it's going to be the old school CRP 2016 rule. And listeners, I will put a link into the chat with that so you can just check out the rule. But, um, but it's definitely a legitimate option for the DBL. That's the rule we use, Charles. So don't worry about talking about whether we use it or not. That, and that's the rule I've always used in my tournaments. Um, the rule that hopefully listeners will come used to. So don't worry about that. That makes me happy. It's much simpler. And hey, if you don't like piling on, be some dirty players. Foul them. Exactly. And, and, and that's the thing, Chance. In the DBL, we play, um, we play a re-rolling league anyway. So you're, 
you, in the DBL, we only play eight games before the knockouts. And then there's a round of 32, round of 16, round of eight, and then we have a quarterfinals. And then we have a finals day in the DBL where you have semifinals and the final on one day. And we go on nice. a Saturday or a Sunday. We go to the pub. There's like 15, 20 people around. We broadcast it live over YouTube. It's such a fun day. And, and it's actually really stressful. The guys playing in the semifinals. <laughs> Try playing blood bowl surrounded by all these blood bowlers, like watching your every move, and like try, you know, like dissecting it, and then going on to the final. It's like it's like four hours of blood bowl on a day. You're gonna have some fun. <laughs> You're gonna be stressed. It's the DBL. It's it's really exciting. Finals down the DBL. All listeners listening, you'll if you've seen it, you'll know it. If you haven't, come and watch it. It's it's so much fun. It's really really exciting. That, um, that is yeah. tremendous. That sounds like when I the top table of a chaos cup in the final round and people were surrounded. That sounds like that, but at the end of every single league, Oh, I would love that. That's tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, those are the chimps chance. We're going to come on to the gorillas, which I personally love. I love, I love a big strength for dude hitting online. And then the chimps, you get four of these guys. We talked about it in the roster run through. You get four yep. of these guys on the Simeon. As a reminder, they're five, four, two, eight with extra arms and grab with agility and strength access. For me, Chance, there's, there's kind of two ways to develop these guys. Either you go down the sort of traditional blocker route. I think these guys are blockers. They're, they're not, they're yeah. not or anything. They're, they're like a black hole blocker, but there's different ways. That's equivalent. Mm -hmm. Or you can skill them more down the sort of killer route where you're really looking at your mighty blows and your piling ones. But I think, I think the most effective way is a blocker, right? Where you can go guard, you can go dodge, you can go stand firm, mighty blow, all of these sorts of skills. That's what they're most effective at doing, right? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think blocker, blocker is their position. Um, I think a lot back, uh, my friend Paul, who was on the show many years ago about Nurgle and how he described that the Pestigors were your sharks and the Warriors were your reef. So the reef stays in place, the sharks prowl, right? So the Simeon, of course, don't grind nearly as well as the Nurgle do. They, they have their strengths in other areas. But your gorillas, I think, are your reef, and your chimps are effectively your shark because they can get around and, and, and perform quality blitzes. So I think it is the chalk pick, but I think guard is just too good not to take because, again, they can't get blocked uh, unless it's doubles. Doubles is just blocked. That's easy. That's, that's hardly even a conversation um, unless it's a strength boost. But I think guard is just super good because it just provides you then so many more quality blocks. And it keeps you bigger against the teams that are going to come at you with three-strength guard, like dwarves, like humans, those kind of teams. You've got to stay bigger. Um, dodge is pretty good, too. It's the next best thing since you can't get blocked. Dodge guard is effectively tricky to block against. You know, you have um, block guard players throwing against you, and every dodge star they throw, you don't go down. It's, it's pretty interesting. I like that. And then I actually really like – you talked about stand firm, which they have access to. I like sidestep only because it makes them play differently. You know, your block swords, they're going to have that block guard side, uh, stand firm, right? These guys can do that without the block, of course. But sidestep and guard, especially when you're trying to break up formations, they risk throwing a block against you, and you can move, like, into their cage, right? Like, there's suddenly a guard gorilla in the cage now, or maybe you can see your opponent, how they're chaining their blocks together. They hit your sidestep guard, don't knock them down, you sidestep over to where the next block was going to be, and now that block is disrupted because now they have guard against them. And so you can kind of see where their chain blocks are going. You can disrupt that a lot. Um, again, stand firm may or may not be better. There's an argument to be had there. But I love the fact that they can get sidestep as a regular skill, and that plays uh, differently than stand firm. So if you get no doubles and you're just going, you know, chalk, you know, dodge guard, that kind of thing, 
in my for my money, it's sidestep instead of stand firm. I find it hysterical. Um, just moves them around. They can't pin you down. It's terrific. And then if you do get that block, now you have like the black orc dream, right? The block dodge sidestep guard um, that is just very difficult to, to deal with. So for regular skills, my money is a guard dodge in some order there. Uh, and then the sidestep. When I first played them, I thought, oh, Mighty Blow. It's four strength, strength players. It's Mighty Blow everywhere. Get that player advantage. In my personal opinion, that was a, a disaster. Because you cannot throw quality blocks, really, because no block. And then you're also relying on dice to give you injuries. So I went much more of the positional, the guard dodge and the sidestep, and had much better results. Um, you'll occasionally get a knockout, and you'll feel like you just killed Griff. You, you'll feel thrilled at a single knockout. Um, but all that you know, dodge, guard, sidestep makes it hard to fight through. Um, and again, you want to reinforce their defensive positioning. So that's kind of where I go. That's, those are the three skills for me, not counting doubles or stat boosts. Yeah, and essentially you talk about sidestep because that comes back to that slan blitz uh, comparison, doesn't mm -hmm. it? But, and I think you're probably right. I think, and now I'm thinking about it, and you know, I'm going <laughs> to here, chance. You you changed my opinion on the podcast. <laughs> um, you know, slan blitzers. You're right with that sidestep. It's that you know, it's that sort of altercation between do I want to stay where I am or do I want to actually choose where I want to go and be in a better mm -hmm. position. You're right. The the gorillas have access to that. Take fucking sidestep. I, I think you're right. I think sidestep, in order to get stuck in and, and get that guard when you want it. But like you say, guard is, guard is crucial in this team, right? Got to get it in there. It's just so good. It lets your silverback get three dice much more, much more easily. Um, get a three dice Very off. few coaches <laughs> – exactly. Um, very few coaches know how to play against a bunch of guarding sidestep up front. It's very unusual. No other team has asked, uh, that sort of um, access to that combo. And, again, you want to kind of catch people off guard with it. I think that's the way to go. Now, you know, dodge is certainly first. You want to try to mitigate some of the damage you're going to take, and dodge does that. Occasionally you might dodge. Maybe someday you get break tackle. I mean, that, it gives you options there. But in their case, with the two edge and the four strength, the main point of dodge is to limit the, number, the amount of damage they take. And so dodge is first, but uh, as far as edge skills. But, yeah, I think guard dodge or dodge guard. And that sidestep, you're going to really catch some people off guard. You're going to enjoy it. And like we said early on, block is no-brainer straight away on a double. You've got to take that shit. I totally agree. Um, I think double sixes, there's a, they have kind of like the big guy's dilemma, right? You have a troll or an ogre, you get double sixes, what do you do? Is it the sixth strength? Is it the block? There's arguments both ways. I think with gorillas, I'll be honest, I err on the side of the five strength. If they get, if they get a boost, I take five strength. Because ideally, if you have two or three guard between the four gorilla and the silverback, again – Three die block. You're going to encourage. You're going to increase the amount of quote unquote safe blocks. Nuffle, don't spite me. But the the relatively safe blocks you can throw. I think five strength is the way to go. But yes, any other doubles um, block is just the, the end all be all. There, I, I can't think of another thing that, that might that might be better. And we all know, listeners, that chance is going to extol the three die block approach to stuff. Yeah. That's that's what you need, right? Three die blocks. Most block. Yep. It's the most <laughs> block dice you can throw. Why throw less? <laughs> um, the, the other thing, before we move on to the silverback, the King Kong chance, um, you know, I, I also kind of see that there is a way to develop these guys. Maybe you think it's not the best way, and that's fine, like, like say it, but you can develop them as killers, and you can go yes. for a mighty blow, you can go for a piling on, and then jump up, because they've got that agility mm -hmm. access. So, so do you, have you found that that's not the best way to go in a league? For me, no. And believe me, I love to bash. I mean, even with my goblin team, I build goblin teams to hit and to bash. I love the injury game. I know a lot of people don't. Um, the issue with bashing with them is, again, they cannot throw quality blocks without blocks, so you're really going to absorb your rerolls. Jump up is good to move, but it's terrible for the block because they only have two edge. 
So you're rolling the four up instead of the, or the three up instead of the four up or the two up, pardon me. My math is terrible there. So it hurts them a bit. Um, and in my personal experience, when I tried to make them a bash front line, that four strength, I personally failed. <laughs> um, <laughs> other people may have, may have better results. Now, if you already get the block on one, let's say you get lucky and, and the very first skill on a, a, a gorilla after game one or two is double threes or whatever. So bam, you got a block gorilla. In that case, the whole, the whole uh, dynamic changes. If you want to go uh, Mighty Blow on that guy now and have three kind of guard, dodgy, sidesteppy gorillas and then one block Mighty Blow, I I'm totally all for that. That change, the, the, the additional block changes the ratio incredibly. I mean, your turnovers now on a two-die block is one in 36 instead of one in nine. Um, you can do the math there. So, yeah, that makes sense. If you've already got block, take Mighty Blow. I do not recommend you taking Mighty Blow first because you're just going to throw so many unsafe blocks. You're going to be very unhappy. And it's going to be reminiscent – of back when we play tested the five wild animals because you're going to have a bunch of gorillas effectively doing nothing falling down right uh, and not doing what you want so i would i would say resist that but you can certainly try um but again once block happens all bets are off absolutely fair enough chance and yeah, i i would fully agree with all the stuff you said that i think i think the gorillas are really cool and like you said that that addition to the dodge on a, on a strength four piece is <laughs> completely unique it's it's really cool i, I really love it um, now we'll move on to chance to the king, the Kong, the silverback, the big yep. guy. Everybody loves a big guy, right? I love a big guy. When I take when I take chaos, I am that guy on a thousand k who's like, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the minotaur, the minotaur, <laughs> the minotaur, whatever the, whatever you want to call him. I'm gonna call him a minotaur for my British listeners. Uh, I'm gonna take that guy and take um. Uh, so I I did it in uh, the ECBBL league, the oldest league, and I took um him three warriors. And only two rerolls, and then game one. <laughs> game one, uh, one of my warriors died, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, I'm in complete shit here. But fortunately, fortunately, the big guy, the cow, he went absolutely apeshit. And by the end of the league, he he rolled a double second skill, so he had block, mighty blow, tentacles, claw. I think he rolled stand firm by then. He just went absolutely ballistic. And that's the thing about big guys is they can. They can bring loads to your team if they go well. And you've got to kind of take that risk. I mean, you in the silverback, he's, he's no different. Yeah. If you're going to take a, a, a Minotaur, if you're going to take a Mino, he's the best one. The Chaos one is obviously the best one. Um, but for the Simeon, the silverback, yeah, is that guy, is that big guy um, that won't ever fail you and that he won't ever lose his tackle zones. He's always going to be there. Um, I, I don't know if there's a, a lot of really revolutionary ways to development. I think he's already got – kind of the strength that's built into him with the grab and what um obviously guard is terrific and unlike the the kind of the cute size I like stand firm obviously side steps doubles for him but I like the stand firm because he's already five he's already so much bigger the other gorillas much like in real life have got to be able to rely on the silverbacks presence to guard their blocks so uh non-doubles I think guard stand firm you just you, you can't go wrong there uh, I like that a lot um and of course like you said doubles is block it's just it's so good I would probably take block on him over a strength boost, actually, even though it lets me get more three dice because the team needs that safety, that, that linchpin in the middle. But again, you get six strength. I can't fault you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of standard. The, the guards stand firm in the block. Um, obviously, you cannot get frenzy on doubles because of the grab, which is fine because he's not a minotaur to begin with. Um, and that's the, way, that's the way you would go. You need to rely on him from the moment you hire him, and he's got to be there for you. And, and, and so I think, Chance, we'll, we'll end off the league thing. What, what would you start with, um, with, with a league team on a 1,000K? How would you go for a starting league team? Because they're, they're interesting, the Simeons, and they're not, um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, there are different teams like that. And we've had a, we've had a Nurgle um, talk through where Nurgle really suffer from the 70K reels. Actually, you really can't start with what you need to start in a 1,000K TV. You've got to, they do. You've got to build it up, right? Um, and then yeah. I think the Simeon are quite similar. You've got to make some real choices about what you want to take on a 1,000 TV mm-hmm. starting build. What, what would you take for a 1,000 TV league team? Hopefully my math is not wrong, but the way I like to do it, I don't start with the silverback. I know some builds will include him to begin with, um, and I can certainly see the value there. I don't. I want to save up to that. I want to try to give my other guys a little more time to get some, hopefully some skills and some points. I like the four gorillas, uh, three chimps, bonobos to fill out. I'd rather have three re-rolls. That, oh, what's that? Two chimps. You mean. Oh, what'd I say? Yeah, you three. I, can't cheat. Yeah. I can't have three or four? Come on now. Yeah. So, yeah, four gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> Four gorillas, two chimps, bonobos to fill out. I like three rerolls, um, and if I got to sacrifice to throw orangutan, I will do that. But if I can get three rolls and to throw orangutan and fill out with bonobos, I'll do that. I think you'll lose a bench that way, um, and you have to make some decisions regarding the bench and the apothecary. Um, apothecary can't be overvalued, especially when you start with two chimps. So that's a that's a crucial thing there too. But I would cut the silverback first. I would cut the throw orangutan if I have to. The priority is. If you can do it, four, and I don't have the math in front of me, the four gorillas, the two chimps, and the three re-rolls to me is, is super, super important because you don't want to spend double on the re-rolls later. You want to save up for your silver bag. Yeah. So that's, that's where I would go. But I have seen some other enticing builds that will cut a gorilla and some other stuff to upgrade to a silver back right off the bat. Um, and, yeah, if that's, your, if that's your jam, then go for it for sure. Yeah, listen, as you can, I've, I've just done the maths in my head. Because I'm that good. No, I've done the maths in my head. <laughs> you, can, you can get four gorillas, both chimps, three re-rolls, and all the chimps. I think you're about 10K under. So I think that's, a, that's what well, I that would do. That sounds right. Yeah, I think that's what I would do as well. You, yeah. can't, you can't quite squeeze in the throw orangutan. Um, you, you've got to get the four gorillas, the, the two chimps, and the bonobos, and three re-rolls. And, and you're kind of there for a starting league build. And then very early on, like your first choice is going to be your apo. Get the apple in. Yes. Take those chimps. Definitely. Mm-hmm. They, they've got to, they die. They die so easily. <laughs> they just, yeah. They just explode in a, in a pool of, you know, fur and, and extra arms and blood. It's just, <laughs> it's, hard, <laughs> then, it's hard to protect them for sure. Yeah. And then, and then you've got a choice, listeners, whether you want to go down the throw orangutan, get a thrower early on, um, or go down the big dude silverback to kill shit. It's, it's kind of a personal choice, then, isn't it? It's what, what you want to do with your, with your mm-hmm. league. And, and with your guys, you play in a perpetual league, so you've got a choice there. You've got a bit of a longer period of where you're going to lose the first season and then build for the second season, how it's going to go. A lot of right. our listeners play in, um, in a one, you know, you only get your team for one, one build. So I, I don't know, I'd probably go down the throw orangutan. I think you've got, I think that sadly, I love the silverback, the King Kong. He's super cool. Um, but I think he's later. I think you go Apo, throw orangutan, Replace all the all the bonobos and chimpanzees that have died, probably. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then go the silverback because the silverback doesn't need a lot to be good. He's he's kind of got what he needs. He, he's going to be a late bloomer anyway. Yeah. You, you could pretty much save up for a silverback and buy him for knockouts and stuff. That's not that's not mm-hmm. thing you need early anyway. So yeah, I agree. And we, and just just for a moment, we talked about the the one team per you know season, then you're done. The the non perpetual you hit on that. You, you, you cut off the growth potential of so many of these teams. I just, I really would encourage anyone who's concerned about that to try it, you know, maybe cap it at two seasons, just, you know, dip your toe in the pool. So many of these teams and the stories and the players develop so richly, but you need more than eight to 10 games. You, you talked about Nurgle, for example, Nurgle, 
I can't imagine playing them if I only had one season. They develop so slowly. Their skill memory is so important that 10 games, they don't get to go anywhere. And some of the teams are designed to be played long-term. They don't develop until you play them long-term. I think you're cutting your, your team choices there. And I really think people would be pleasantly surprised if they went to a slightly more rolling league than a, uh, than a one-off. Sorry, just to interject there. So, like you talked about, the Simeon suffer a bit because you can't develop them really well in a one, like a 10-game you know, season, roughly. Yeah. And thanks, Chance, for saying that because I think, I think people would – some people would agree, some people wouldn't. It's good that they hear sure. a great blood bowl, <laughs> a blood bowl theory <laughs> like yourself saying it. <laughs> I, I, I may be hurting our argument here, Thomas. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, but thanks, Chance, for, for your thoughts on the leagues. And, and you're right, we're, we're going to run a London league here soon, like I said, with this smaller group of guys and try that rolling, that rolling <laughs> system and see how it goes. We'll, we'll give it a go and see, see if people like it or not. It's, it's all good fun at the end of the day, isn't it? It's all about the fun and what you can build in that time and whether that's fun or not. Like, and that's, and it can be good. And, and that's the thing about the, the Dragon Ball League where we've got fucking 60 people growing on 80. Maybe, maybe the right thing to do for them is it's such a big group of people that starting you every season is, is the thing to do. And if you're playing your Nurgle, uh, if you're playing your Simeon, if they're at a men, you've, you've got to start soon because you've got to start restart every league because it's easier to track. And I, I get that. Like that's mm-hmm. not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a bash on that. It's just there are different right. ways to do it. Um, and and it's, it, there are different ways. There are Blood Bowl ways. Blood Bowl is, is mm-hmm. a, a malleable game. It's super fun, right? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Step step out of your, your comfort zone. Give some teams a second season. I just think you won't regret it. But there you go. Thanks, John. It makes sense. Right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take um, we're going to take a, a quick break here, um, and then we're going to come back and talk about the simians. We're going to do chance. We're going to do three in the same same uh, episode <laughs> as three point How do you feel about that? It's super efficient. I love it. I'm ready. (laughs) Let's take a quick break here, listeners, and we'll come back and talk about Simeons in a tournament setting. But yeah, let's let's talk about the uh, the Simeons in the tournament environment, and you know, general Simeon tournament builds. You know. You're going to look at your 1.1 as a starter, and that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably the starter tournament bill for the Simeons is, uh, is probably... So for me, it's like two chimps, and you can come back in a minute, Chance, of what you want to bring. But two sure. chimps, three gorillas, uh, one throw orangutan, and the sort of... Uh, Five bonobos I'm looking at. Yeah, five bonobos brings you to 11 because a lot of people don't allow the stars for that 11 build. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Furious George. That's my, that's my build with an Apo with two rerolls. And we'll talk about the skills in a bit. But, but two rerolls. You've got the throw orangutan in there for leader. Um, but you've got two chimps, three gorillas, and George. And I think George is crucial for, for a simian build. I agree. Uh, Tim Lyons, local coach, really likes that build too. The three grills, um, effectively three um, chimps with, with Furious George. Um, and that's your quality, most versatile build. Chimps get a whole lot better when they come back every game. Like no injury sticks, you know, in a resurrection tournament. They get incredibly, uh, incredibly effective at that point. Uh, and I like that one too. You're playing more of an Elfie, Skaven, um, spread, spread them out kind of style there. Yeah, Furious George, as long as he's under cost, to take advantage of him for sure. I, yeah, I can't argue with that. Tim's had some success with that one. 
because he's like your ultimate sacker, right? He's like, he's got all the shit you need to sack in, in a tournament yes. um, so, yeah. so if he's got all your natural sacking skills, then you build in the mm-hmm. other stuff, right? Um, right. what, what, what sort of tournament build would you take with the Simeons? Let's do a Simeon 3.0 on the tournament. <laughs> what, what would you take, Chance? So I, for a long time, and I can't explain this, for a long time, I had a real star aversion to tournament play. I think as I was, you know, learning Blood Bowl and growing, I was so fascinated by the teams themselves that I basically just took a tournament as an opportunity to build a midseason team, right? You can buy all your positionals that you maybe can't afford normally. You can add skills that you, you know, normally you got to acquire. And so I treated them like that. And so I didn't give a lot of thought to star players um, for a long time in, in builds. You know, having people show me how Zug was really good on a, on a human tournament team, like we talked about, was one of the first times uh, it was eye-opened. I also lost a bet when I went to England in 2014 for the, for the NASI. Um, Simon and Nazgov, my, my host, great, great guys. Naz uh, bet me. He's a big a hockey fan, NHL hockey. Um, and his team and my team, I'm, I'm a Blues fan. He's a Blackhawks fan. They happen to be in the same division. And so we bet who was going to do better or who was going to win some playoff season or something. And, of course, he killed me because the Blackhawks were good and the Blues were terrible at the time, although we're current, current Cup champions. So as a, as a loss, I'm coming back around. As a loss, he got to pick my roster for the next tournament I played. So he picked Dark Elves, and he made me play both Witches and Roxana. And so you had to lose some Blitzers. So you had all three. And then I won that tournament. And it was crazy because Roxanne was so incredibly good. And that was kind of the, the beginning of me thinking, you know what? Maybe these star players aren't so bad. So I do like uh, the one you talked about with Furious George. I think Bombastic is probably too hard to squeeze in, but Furious is just so incredibly good. Um, I like that build if you're going to go star players for sure. And I see that. But what I was doing when I was still not a big fan of the stars, um, I liked to just basically cut my normal 1 million starting build enough to add the silverback. You could turn a gorilla into a silverback um, and lose, I think, a Bonobo maybe, um, and just kind of beef the team up a bit and then use more skills to uh, further beef up that front line. I really, I really enjoyed that aspect. That's how I played it. It played like a mid-season ape team. Uh, certainly not to say it's any better than the George version. It probably isn't. It's much more risky and, and block-averse. Uh, but that's the way – that's the one I enjoyed it. Just, just enough to squeeze that silver back in. That's the way I played it. So usually in a, in a Simeon build, in your environment, do, you, do they tend to be Tier 2? Uh, yeah, for sure. Tier 2. If you do a three-tier system, they're, they're 2, 2, 5. Um, if you do a five-tier, there are three. There's some argument for a five-tier system. I kind of like that one too. But, um, yeah, they're always pretty much in the middle, maybe slightly below. Their win percentage should be about 45%, which puts them slightly below half. Um, yeah, they're always going to be Tier 2 or mid-tier. So you, you tend to be able to get block on your big dude, right? On, on the silverback. Yeah, especially if you're doing that, um, that you know, 1,500, or pardon me, 150,000 gold piece uh, skill buy. You usually have room for a double, six singles and a double is sort of how it works out. And while it's boring, I really enjoy it. You block the big guy and you throw blocks with abandon. He has wild animal, never loses his tackle zones. Uh, you want to hit with him all the time. Now he's five strength block, mighty blow, and he becomes uh, very effective. So that, that's where I go. And then with the other skills, the six skills elsewhere, I will probably do some combination of guard on the silverbacks. Um, again, not using doubles for block, so you're, you're risking the, the block downs there. Probably a tackle chimp, tackle or dodge. I like tackle more to be proactive. Some people will take dodge and carry the ball with them. And I will usually uh, sure hands a bonobo if I don't have a throw raw. 
uh, especially if you have uh, – pardon me, a thrower. I keep saying thrower. I've been playing Kimry. I keep saying thrower. <laughs> um, if you don't leader the throw orangutan, you can sure hands a Bonobo, which I really like, and give you sort of two decent ball options that can, you know, hand off to each other for twos, you know, spread your skills out a little bit. That's kind of where I like to go. Um, nobody gets more than one skill. You spread it out and really just kind of play to the, to the natural strengths of the team. So, so I think you can do a standard um, double big dude uh, tournament build, which I've I've built here, Chance. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. Um, okay. And, and this is like a this is like a twist on the human zug block ogre build, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and the seeming do struggle because their positions are expensive. Um, but but you know humans don't have strength four um, at all, so you've got that strength four access. So my my team chance is a. Uh, Six bonobos, your six lion apes, they can do a job. They've got the, the, got the extra arms. You can give them some skills and do some good checks. They've got six bonobos off the bat. Um, you've got two chimps, as you'd expect, and we'll talk about how to skill them as well. Um, you've got the one throw orangutan. He's definitely taken leader because he needs that. <laughs> one throw orangutan. Um, just the one gorilla. Um, you know, maybe we'll talk about how you can skill him potentially. Silverback with block and the mighty zug. <laughs> and I've only, got, I've only got one reroll because they're throwing a tank taken leader, and I've got 10k for mm-hmm. Apo. Uh, sorry, not Apo for a, a cheerleader or um or a, or a, a coach or a fan factor. You know, we can talk about that all day about what's best or about that. But you have got 10k for, mm-hmm. for one of those reroll skills. But yeah, you got the one, the one, the one gorilla. And you got those two block mighty blow big guys. And the throw orangutan, and that's it. And the two chimps, and the two chimps are the starts on over. And I, I think um. I really think that's got legs. If you if you want to go into a, in a tournament build on one point one, I think that can really work in a human in a human way with the two big guys up front, the two strength five guys. They're going to give your opponents real problems. People don't how don't know how to deal with two strength five block big guys, right? <laughs> I I totally agree, and it's it's you know, everything is matchup dependent. But yeah, you could you could face the right matchup, even like Amazons or Norse. You get two quality two die mighty blow blocks right off the bat, a knockout two knockouts maybe, and then suddenly your, your team is playing with a two-player advantage or even a one-player advantage, the apes really thrive with that. Um, yeah, I like that quite a bit. The, the gorilla in that aspect is really interesting, that four strength. Like, what do you give to him? Guard sure seems natural. Make sure your big guys are, you know, throwing as many two and threes as they can. Um, I like that a lot. and I've enjoyed that, uh, that two big guy human build, so I can imagine that the ape version would be fun too. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the gorilla probably would take guard in that environment. And the two chimps, you've got wrestle straight away. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe one of them, because you, you've not got griff. Like that's the human build where you've got griff to carry the ball. And you spoke on your human tournament build about griff being a fantastic ball carrier. You haven't, you haven't got him. You've got, yeah. you've got Doug and the, and the silverback to really hit shit. So mm-hmm. the gorilla's probably going to guard your dudes. One of the chimps might take block because he can carry the ball. He's got block. He can definitely take those hits. And, and do that stuff, and the other chimp maybe take tackle and, and do that sort of throw. Throw orangutan has got um, leader, and then uh, and then maybe I mean you, that's the great thing about the chimps is that one of the bonobos could take short hands as well to have that flexibility of like being able to do that moving the ball around and and that's what's the fun thing about the chimps is they're not um, the sorry the simian is then <laughs> chimps apes. Gorillas, whatever yep. they are. Um, right. they're, they're not like, um, you know, they're, not, they're definitely not a tier one team at all. No. But, but they've got all these options. You can, you can really pick and choose and think about what you want to take and, and, and go through those motions. And it's, it's just a really cool team in that respect. There's so many options available to you. 
I agree. And that's what we wanted. We, we wanted them badly to fit into Blood Bowl. We wanted it to be apparent that people had taken the time, people that love Blood Bowl had taken the time to work on this team, that it wasn't just a vanity project, that it wasn't going to be some crazy broken team. We really wanted it to fit mechanically on the pitch. We wanted it to fit, um, you know, fluff wise into the story and really be a team that's, that's fun to play, but adds to Blood Bowl and doesn't take away. Uh, and, yeah, and they can do some things in tournaments. You'll, you'll surprise some people. If you do have a tournament that allows them, you will almost for sure run up against a coach that has not played them before. Um, we had some local coaches play Slon when they were first allowed, you know, when the, the you know, CRP came out and they'd get into a tournament and a, a coach said, no idea what to do. Like you just could not stop them because you'd never seen them before. So you will be rewarded in certain times um, by playing Simeon against a coach that doesn't know how to play against them. So that's, that's a little bit more of an advantage to them when the tournament allows it. No, thanks, Chance. I think I think that draws a line under the uh, the tournament, Simeon, and um, you know Simeon in general. And Chance, before we before we draw this podcast to a close, have you got anything more to add on the Simeon, the apes, like stuff you think's cool, all those sorts of bits and bobs? This is your chance to segue to your heart's content. We we segue within a segue already in this podcast, but we're going to draw the Simeon podcast to a close. You got anything more to add, Chance, on the Simeon? Uh, just one more. I mean, I did this years ago when they were new. Just one more. Th- Thank you to really the, the worldwide community um, that really made them made them a thing. You know, we had, I mean, if you narrow it down to the six people that really had a hand in it, you had America, you had New Zealand, you had uh, several European countries. I mean, it was really a multinational, all the Blood Bowl fans together to push this through. So can't thank everyone enough, not only that helped create them, but the people that are playing them on Fumble. The thousands of games of data we've had now, they are the most officially data-tracked and play-tested non-GW Blood Bowl team in the world. So I got to thank everyone that plays them. You know, I play Fumble a lot. And every time I scroll through the current games, every time I see a league that allows Simeon and somebody has a Simeon team going, I just it just thrills me to no end. So I'm really glad that people have enjoyed them and uh, all the work people did uh, to put into them. Can't thank you enough. And definitely, if uh, there are leagues out there that want to give them a shot and you have any questions or you're concerned, you know, always happy to, to you know, answer those questions as best I can or to soothe those fears, as it were. I think a lot of leagues, you know, I, I think if you're in the minority now, actually, a league that does not allow them because they know they're not broken. Tournaments are a whole different thing. I, I totally understand, you know, you, you don't want to wrestle with the whole – wrestle uh, – um, the whole NAF thing with uh, putting the Simeon in. I absolutely get that. But I think they can be a fine addition to any league, especially if you allow the Bretonians uh, in the corn. They're at least as balanced as the Doe team. So – just a big thank you to everyone. Glad people are enjoying them. Um, yeah, and that's it. Always happy to talk Blood Bowl and uh, Simeon in particular. And like we said, Chance, they are the most official, unofficial team there is out there, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, and if um, absolutely, <laughs> and if anyone wants to get in touch with Chance, we're all we're all part of one huge big Blood Bowl community. Mm-hmm. Listeners, please please hit me up on Twitter. There's a three die block Twitter page. If if you want to talk to Chance, he he's super open to chatting about stuff. I'll, I'll put you in touch with him. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're yeah. about. We're about we're about having fun with Blood Bowl, getting in touch with each other, and particularly in these difficult times, Chance. Right? You know, when we're all so mm-hmm. isolated, we're not that isolated really because we're we're part of Blood Bowl. Like we can all talk to each other, and and some people are struggling out there. And if if you're struggling, get in touch with us because we'll we'll help you out. We're, yeah. we're all here to help each other. That that's the most important message, right? Absolutely right. It's, it's, you know, I was, I was a part of the big time Heroflix world way back in the day. And the biggest single difference between that world, Magic too, as a shop owner, the biggest difference between those worlds and Blood Bowl is the community. It is the people. Um, you can sit down and play a game and with someone you've never met before and the game quickly becomes secondary. 
because so many great people play this game. You're going to have a pint, you're going to have a drink and just relax. It brings out the best in people and it brings out the best people. So absolutely. If you want to talk Blood Bowl or anything else, um, you can always email us at 3.block at gmail.com. Uh, Thomas has got our info. You know, reach out, you know, join a league, talk to a podcast, you know, play in a tournament, do what you got to do. It's a great game, brings great people together. Could not agree more. Yeah, and, Char- and listeners, I'll, I'm going to put Chance's details in, in the uh, notes of this so you can get in touch with him if you want, get in touch with me. Please don't mm-hmm. suffer in silence. It's a really difficult time, but Blood Bowl brings it all together. It's fucking fantastic. I'm, I'm loving it. Thanks, Chance, for coming on and talking about the apes, the simians. We love it. And Chance, maybe we'll get you on to talk about goblins. What do you think? Uh, I, yeah, I'm a hard yes right now. I mean, I, I love the goblins. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could stay a little bit objective with the Simeon, but the Goblins, which I had zero input in that team, I'm, it's all passion and rants. So, yeah, if you think we can handle it, I'd be more than happy to come back and talk Goblins. <laughs> Let's do it. It's a date. <laughs> Thanks, right, Tom. Thanks, Tom, for coming on Talking Now. Uh, listeners will draw us to a close now. And, uh, yeah, stay playing Blood Bowl, stay having fun, and, yeah, keep on listening. Free Dive Lock and Talk Nuffle, we're all the same. We're all Blood Bowl. Just keep going. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Thomas. Stay off the sidelines.